LBC 97.3. Call 0845 6060 Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning. I just want to put my arms on the, uh, on the, the rest of the chair. There aren't any. I'd <laughs> like that to put my arms on them. And I'm sitting on a chair with no arms on them. What the dickens are going on this morning? Anyway, it's Friday. It's going to be a lovely... It's going to be 20 degrees today. Come on, you can undo an extra button on that shirt. You can really push the boat out. Might put shorts on later. Certainly not, uh, not going to be going out in them. I shall weather it. I did actually have, years ago, have a scooter. I bought myself a scooter when they, we, we'd moved to one, one uh, of LBC's various sort of moves over the years. And they said, there's nowhere to park... Um, and so, um, how are you going to get in? And I went, well, I don't know, I'll get a scooter. So I went out and bought a Piaggio Hexagon, which was like the biggest legal scooter that you could buy without taking a test. Because to be honest with you, I'm not much, I wasn't much cop on a bicycle, so I didn't think I was going to be much cop on a scooter either. And so I went out and I saw this thing and I bought it and it was, I think... £3,750, which actually, to, to be honest with you, £3,750, you get a lot of scooter for that, and it was big, and it had a big box at the back where you could keep your helmet and, uh, and a little bit of oil, because you have to do a mixture. When you, when you put petrol in, and blood, that was an embarrassment, I pulled into a garage the first time I got it, I couldn't work out how to put petrol in it, I don't know where the petrol went. And you have to lift up a thing in the middle and put a bit of petrol in, put a bit of oil in, so it was a mix. And if you didn't drive the thing for ages, which I didn't, the oil solidifies... And so you've got to take it into a garage, and they've got to drain it, uh, drain it all out, and put it all back together. It's a right pain. And so anyway, so I buy this thing, and they said, "Have you ever been on a scooter before?" And I went, "No." And so he said, "Right, we'll, we'll take you out for a little test run." So they take me into a cinema car park, and I pootle about. Well, I don't know if you've ever been on a scooter. I mean, my advice would be, don't ever go on one unless unless you seriously want to take your life in your hands. This thing could do eighty miles an hour without any trouble at all. I was petrified, and I had a pair of shorts on. And when you go along, as the wind blew towards me, it inflated my legs. So consequently, I looked a little bit like Michelin Man going down the road. I mean, it was all very exciting if you were driving towards me. Bit of a shock, I suppose, for some people. And, and the one thing I couldn't do on scooters, and I'm quite envious of people who whiz out on their motorbikes and stuff like that, because I can't do it, and I couldn't do it. I couldn't turn corners. I couldn't turn corners when I was ice skating either. And so when I wanted to cross a road and turn right, I had to cross over and then push the bike round to the place I was going and then get back on it again. So anybody who has motorbikes and stuff like that, and you watch them whizzing about, and my father, years and years and years and years ago in the war, he used to have a motorbike. Then when he married my mum, their first vehicle was a motorbike and sidecar. And so there's pictures of me sitting with my mum in a motorcycle and sidecar. I mean, it's because that's how, you know, you couldn't afford to do anything else. And then he got his first car, which I think was a Ford Popular or something. I don't know, I can't remember what it was. But uh, I've always thought, I was so grateful when eventually my bike was nicked. I used to keep it at home. And I came home one day and it hadn't been insured for ages. It really hadn't been insured. It was, it was just ridiculous. So I came home one day and, I th- and where I thought it was, it wasn't. And it turned out you get a lot of uh, a lot of thieves who go round with these uh, white vans, and they and they see a bike, they sort of look at it in the early hours of the morning, they nip back and they wheel it or lift it because I had a lock on it onto the back of the van, and that's and that's that, and um, and so it went. But the thing that I did, and you have to do as well, if ever it happens to you, is go to the police and report it as a crime, because unless you get a crime number, 
if somebody has nicked your bike for a reason, and the reason tends to be, as in my case, a thieving pizza company in Hounslow were using it to deliver pizzas. They knew it was stolen, and seven years after my bike was stolen, it, it reappeared. The police phoned me. He said, uh, oh, hello, Stephen. I said, oh, hello. He said, we found your scooter. Good, I said. <laughs> because there was no insurance on it, because it was kept privately. And, uh, and this thing had been delivering pizzas around the Brentford and uh, Hounslow area. And then it started collecting parking tickets. Because what they would do every night is they, they would park it in a side road. The traffic warden would come along, give it a ticket. I collected £1,000 worth of parking tickets. And Hounslow Council phoned me and he said, uh, he said, you haven't paid these parking tickets. I said, well, to be honest with you, I said, the bike was stolen seven years ago. Um, I said, uh, I haven't driven it. I said, it was reported stolen. He said, oh, do you have the crime number? I said, yes, I do. And luckily, they then cancelled all the tickets. And I went down to try and find it. He said, well, he said, the last report, it was in the same road every night. I went down there and I sat there and I couldn't see it at all. And um, I said, this, this, this poor bicycle had been delivering pizzas. So if anybody had uh, pizzas delivered in the Hounslow-Brentford area about five years ago by somebody on a red hexagon, I hope you choke on it, because it was my bike that was nicked. But it, it, as I say, it didn't make any difference. I never claimed on it. But I would never get on a motorbike again. My cousin Barry had a motorcycle. We went down the motorway once. I thought I was going to die. I sat on the back of this thing, clinging on for grim death, screaming all the way down the motorway. I'm just not good on the back of two wheels. You know, give me four wheels. I'm f- even three wheels I'm not good at. But uh, but four, definitely... Okay. So I'm just stirring the manuka honey this morning. It's a, it's a new addition to the programme. We love it because it's it's very healthy. Very, very healthy. People were talking today. What were they talking about with, uh, with sort of Christo? They were talking about... Oh, that's right. They were talking about cleaning. Cleaning. And how, how clean is your house? And there's a new programme coming out, which is where they, they come in and they declutter your place. And I've had friends threatening to do that to me. I said, if anybody sets foot inside my place and touches things, because Christo said that um, what happens is his mother would come round and she would put his keys and they start, my mother used to do the same. She would start moving things around. And in my place, I know where everything is. So if somebody says, where's your VAT form or where's that or where's your tax return? I know where it is. I can remember stuff from years ago because it pro- the chances are it probably hasn't moved. And I'm, I'm a bit of a creature of habit. It's like, I like coming out in the morning, and, and, I, and I do make sure that the washing up is done. I don't like to go back to something sitting in the sink, or sitting in the washing up bowl. And I don't have a... People say to me, oh, do you not have a dishwasher? I said, well, I have, but he died. And, uh, and so, sadly, I have to do it myself now. And I like, I like going out. I like buying all the different coloured fairy liquids, you know, and they, on the window, and then you get nice pretty patterns inside, look a little bit like a rainbow. And so I do that, and I'm quite happy doing that. But I'm a bit of a creature of habit. I like things to be tidy. It's like in the car... I'm, I'm a bit of a, I'm a, you could almost describe me as a little bit of a squirrel. You know when the squirrel hides his nuts? I'm a little bit like that. I don't hide my nuts, but, you know, because I don't, don't eat nuts because I've got an allergy. And, um, but I, I do lift things up and shove things underneath things. You know, like the mattress. You lift it up, shove things underneath. You know, in the, in the sitting room, underneath the settee. Or I put things in boxes. I go and buy boxes and I put things in boxes so I've, and bags. I was known as the bag man of Twickenham at one point because I had so many bags. I, every day I would come in here with a carrier bag. I would stumble back down to the station looking a little bit like Edna the inebriate woman, you know, clutching my little carrier bags. And I've got carrier bags all over the place at home. Like, every so often I open one up and go, oh, right, that's... I mean, I'm, at the moment, I've got two Boris bike keys. I can't find them. 
but I'm paying ten quid a month for them. I don't, because in the summer, I do like to get out there and do a little bit of cycling. Sometimes I cycle from here, pick, pick up a bike in Leicester Square and cycle to Waterloo Station, and then leave the bike there. Knackered when you get there. I can't begin to tell you how tired your little legs. I can barely make it up the steps into Waterloo Station, but, but and cycling is a bit of a nightmare in London. Because cars cannot see me. You'd think something my size they would see. You know, I haven't got a fluorescent jacket or, or flashing lights or nothing like that. But I, sort of, but I was cycling down the Strand, and there's so many potholes, and when buses go past you, you can feel the like that. They almost lightly brush against you. It's quite frightening, but I've got the two keys for the Boris bikes. Tomorrow, what, tomorrow's Saturday, that's right, I'm going to see Matilda tomorrow, the Roald Dahl at the Cambridge Theatre, and uh, we're going to go on a, on a boat thing up the, up the Thames. We decided we could have one of those days where you just do stupid things. So we're going to get a bus, uh, sorry, a boat up the Thames, probably to Tower Bridge, get off and get the Routemaster bus back to London, and then just probably go to the National Gallery, because that's, that's good free entertainment. And there's loads of pictures you can look at there. And so we quite like that, National Portrait Gallery. Then we'll go off to see Matilda. Then we'll come back. Then we're going to go and have lunch. And, uh, and then we'll go shopping in Penhaligans. And then eventually I shall make my way home. And on Sunday, I'm going to go to Strawberry Hill, because that's all been done up now. And uh, and it's it's a Gothic revival building uh, owned by Walpole. So if if you look in this week's edition of Country Life magazine, you can see the stunning work they've done on the interior. I mean, my God, this was a place to live in. My goodness. And then yesterday, do you remember I said I discovered showers in the building? I discovered on the floor underneath us. If you go down the back stairway, the sort of there's a toilet, and then you open it, and there's a shower. There's a, a, well, I, I don't like making use of other people's showers. I'm, not, I'm a bit funny about using other people's toilets as well. You know, if I go to somebody's house and I'm having dinner, I have to wait till I get home. I cannot use somebody else's toilet. There's just no way. I've got a phobia about it. A bit funny. On the same way, I don't like people using my toilet. I had a friend to stay once for a week. I said, no, you can't use the toilet. <laughs> the end of the first day, practically crawling up walls. But, so I open the door and there's a shower. Well, it's two showers. There's two glass showers there. And so I thought... Well, how often do you get the opportunity to ask somebody in this building to come and share a shower with you? You know, unless you're going to nip out one into the other. So I, yesterday I showed my boss. We, we, we sort of had a little chat and, uh, you know, he was sort of just checking out. I said, OK. And, and we, so we walk up the thing and I said, have you seen this shower? And he said, no. So we opened the door and I went, look, two showers. And he went, Steve, it's a mirror. I went, oh, right. The whole wall is mirrored. So it looks like there's two showers next because I couldn't work out. Unless it was really strange that you would have two showers in one little tiny room. But it's really nice. I might actually, next week, just bring a towel in and then arrive back in the office, you know, shaking the water off my hair, looking like some Olympic swimmer or something like that. You know, because some people cycle in and then they like to go and use the shower. But uh, it was really good, really good. Anyway, uh, we'll wander through the uh, the papers. It's, it's amazing nowadays. I did say, if you want to be famous in this business, you either have to have a relationship with somebody famous... So if you're a bit of a bit of a, um, a slag, sorry, wag, if you're a bit of a wag, then you sort of go out to nightclubs and you try and meet footballers. And, uh, and then you sell the story afterwards of how, you know, you had a night of passion and they just put a notch on the bedpost because you've quite clearly been doing the rounds. Or failing that, you, uh, you inherit a lot of money and you behave very badly. If you behave badly, you make yourself uh, in the papers. Or failing that, the next thing is you make a sex tape. And then, first of all, you tell lies about it and say, no, it's not mine. That's definitely not me. In fact, in, in, in roughly the same way as uh, Jordan claimed she'd slept with Gareth Gates. And Gareth Gates went up the wall. No, I did not. No, I did And for the best part of a year, he denied that he'd had a fling with Jordan. And then, unfortunately, she proved that he did. 
and all of a sudden he actually come out and actually sort of say, well, yeah, I did. And you think, well, why did you not say that in the first place? First of all, to Lisa, I'm suing over this sex tape. It's not me. It's fraudulent. Now, um, yes, it's me, and I did make it. My boyfriend, Phil. And you think, well, you know, you can't complain about it. If you know, I mean, I'm, I'm reliably informed, not in my life, I'm telling you, that people do do this quite a lot in their relationships. You know, I mean, you'd think the giveaway would be, wouldn't it? There you are in a nice dark room. The next minute, floodlights come on. You know, it's going to be the giveaway. Somebody's holding a camera going, smile, smile. Isn't it? Sometimes to actually through gritted teeth start smiling. And, you, and of course, at the time, in the moment of passion, you go, yeah, this is fantastic. All they're thinking is, well, this is another 20,000 quid I'm going to be making. Because apparently he's got loads of times that they, they filmed themselves. And you think, well, if you don't want to complain about it, love, don't do it in the first place. But stop. And also, it, it also shows up people's inability to do certain things. You know, we all think we're little stud bunnies. You know, some of us are pretty good. Some of us are excellent. You know, other people are rubbish. And Talisa fitted into that category, I'm afraid, this morning. 16 past four. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, it's Friday, 18 minutes past four. TV's uh, Greg Wallace uh, from MasterChef, the one that is least popular out of the two in the series, the other being John Tarode, says he's still in love with his third wife after their marriage falling apart. He says, I don't know what's gone wrong. Well, that's why your marriage is split up, matey. If you don't know what's gone wrong, you're even more stupid than I thought you were in the first place. You know, you know when it's gone wrong. And quite clearly, there's something the matter with you. The first one, was it lasted six weeks? Was it the second one lasted six weeks? You just quite clearly can't keep people. She was a lot younger than you, and I always think that's a bit of a mistake. When there's a huge age gap between people, and also when you've got an ego the size of yours, I should imagine you must be a blooming nightmare. And, and then they go, I don't know what's gone wrong. And this is an adult, lady. This is a man of 47 who hasn't got the faintest idea. It's like parents. They don't know the children, and then something dreadful happens to the child. And they go, you know, I didn't even know there was anything the matter with them. And you think, well, quite clearly you don't know your child, do you? It's dreadful, really. It's like there was a, there's a, a picture in the paper today at the risk of at the risk of sounding even more cynical than it is possible for me to be. It's the uh, the anniversary, apparently, of Jade Goody's death. You know now that lots of women are not going in for their screenings anymore. The levels are right back to where they were before Jade Goody uh, contracted uh, her uh, cervical cancer, and so people aren't going. They're not going for screenings anymore. So they, they did because it, it makes an awareness. When a celebrity gets something, in, the, in inverted commas, uh, it draws attention to it. And the people that go, right, I'm going to go and have screening. And then after about a year or so, people just, they, they forget about it. You know, it's like at one time, you know, you would go out there and you'd be looking for rubbish. You're hard pushed to find rubbish bins in London at the moment. But I'm kind of getting used to it. I now hunt around for things. But anyway, so uh, Jack Tweed, that nasty little convicted thug, you remember, uh, is uh, pictured laying flowers at Jade Goody's grave. Luckily, there was a photographer there to capture the scene. So that was all right, wasn't it? At the point of being cynical, you know, you think to yourself, if you're going to go up there, do it privately, pal. Don't do it, you know, with a photographer there. He apparently had tears in his eyes. Really? You've done nothing but desecrate her memory ever since the poor girl died. You've been in court three times. You've been convicted twice. My God, hardly... You know, I mean, the poor... Thank God she never lived to see that kind of stuff. Because uh, you've done her no favours whatsoever. So laying a few manky flowers on somebody's grave, pal, doesn't do it for me, I'm afraid. Would you ever bungee jump? Oh, you... Oh, Will would do it. See, I could... Uh, no, it wouldn't, no. I've seen people doing it. There are two things I couldn't do. Actually, there are three... Th- oh, there's four things I can't do. Uh, the other one was some effort I could probably manage. I cannot do bungee jumping. I did... I mean, I thought to myself, being quite... Because I'm not very good with heights. You know, I couldn't even bungee jump off a stool or a stepladder. 
I couldn't do it because I get a bit panic-stricken. And I've seen people standing on bridges and they're looking down into a gorge. I think that what would happen is, as I sort of pitched off over the edge, the cord would become detached from my legs and I would plunge headfirst and that, that would frighten the life out of me. So I definitely couldn't do bungee jumping. And they go, oh, it's really exhilarating. No, I can think of better ways. You know, cleaning the bath is very much more exhilarating than jumping off a bridge and going, wee, you know, I can fly. Or failing that, the bloke who climbs up the outside of buildings with his bare hands. Nothing on earth would, I mean, you can imagine. First of all, you, you cling on to a bit and then it becomes detached from the building. And I've seen pictures of people who climb up buildings barehanded. No safety harness, no nothing. And that puts the fear of God into me. There are... I wouldn't do skydiving either. No, I did see a bloke... I mean, to be honest with you, I'm the biggest wuss going. I don't even like crossing the road without holding somebody's hand. I mean, I'm, I'm that scared about things. But I saw some guys once, they used to climb buildings with a, with a hang glider strapped to their back, and then they would launch themselves off buildings. They did it at the Hilton in London a few years ago. And, um, unfortunately, one of them died because I think he got caught up in the canopy. And it was one of these big gliders. So they sort of packed it all up, climbed up onto the roof... And then launch themselves. See, I wouldn't do anything like that. I mean, I'm, I'm just... I'm not very good at anything that involves you being off the ground and where I'm not in control. I like to be in control. That's why I'm not very good on scooters, on motorbikes, you know, anything like that. I'm happier in a car. You know, in a, in a car, at least I know I'm safe. You know, I've got four wheels. It's fairly rigid. You know, if I'm in an accident, somebody else is going to come off worse than I am. You know, if I was driving a Mini then I'd kind of panic over it. I would, I, I would sort of worry about things like that. But I'm hoping to conquer this fear of heights. I don't know how I'm going to do it, because I, I just don't... I get sweaty hands thinking about it. I've only got to see a photo. There was a guy a short while ago, and he climbed up this rock face, and he was so many hundreds of feet up in the air, and, and it, 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 um, I looked at it, and I felt sick looking at the photo, because the drop was vertical. And I thought, if you fall off this, you're going to die. Skiing. I went. We went um, years ago to uh, to Austria. I was working out in in Vienna. On one day in the winter, we said, "Let's actually go out and we'll we'll go skiing." Well, I can't ski for toffee, so we said, "I tell you what, let's actually go out to this place." So we went out to a place called Sievering, and Sievering is about an hour outside of Vienna. And we took a lovely train out there, and it was it's just beautiful. If you've never been to Austria in the winter, go out to Sievering or any of the places there. It's like God has dusted it with icing sugar. It's just, it's stunningly beautiful. And the, and the more you have to drink, the better it looks. It's fantastic. You know, by the time you've had three or four glasses of Glühwein. Anyway, we, we decided not to go skiing. We went tobogganing. And in Sievering, the toboggan run crisscrosses the ski run. And the mountains there are quite high. So you can take the um, the cable car, and it goes up to the top, and you've got your little sledge with you. So both of us sit on this sledge, and we start going down. Well, you can pick up speed fairly fast. These mountains are near vertical, but because it's the it's the toboggan run, it crisscrosses. Well, at one point, it didn't crisscross, and we went right over the edge. I thought I was going to die, because the drop beneath us was vertical. And to stop ourselves going any further, we had to throw ourselves off the sledge, which then immediately stopped. But it was the worst moment. I looked down, I thought, Oh, my God. You know, when you look down there, and I see these people who do this this skiing where they just launch themselves off mountains and and there appears to be nothing to hold them back. And I watch this, and I think it's one of those endurance sports. And I feel ill thinking about it now. My hands have gone all sweaty, all sweaty. I feel quite quite damp sitting here telling you about this this morning. But, but the trouble is I like putting myself through it. It's like roller coasters. I hate roller coasters, but I like going on them. 
I took my, my goddaughter on one a short while ago. She loved it. She was about 14. And we go on this thing, and it just, it takes you up vertically and then drops you straight over the bottom. It's none of these, you know, gentle things. This went up, over the top, straight down. And you leave half your stomach at the top of it. So I don't know whether you're on this bit. Could you go bungee jumping? Oh eight four five six. Perhaps you've been. Perhaps you've been. Oh eight four five six zero six zero nine seven three. Didn't you realise, Steve? It was a mirror when you saw the other man in there who looked remarkably like you. No. No, I d- because I was standing in the doorway, so I couldn't see me in the mirror. I could just see the other shower cubicle, which of course was the same shower cubicle as the first one. Because it was the first shower cubicle, it was just a mirror. In fact, it was my boss who pointed it out, because I stood there going, look, two showers. He went, it's a mirror. I thought, you must think I'm really stupid. You must think I'm really daft. He's probably regretting giving me the, uh, the contract. Alex says, I could never bungee jump. My brother did it in Uganda and said it was the scariest thing he's ever done. And he's the brave one, so no way am I going near one. I wouldn't do it. Will would do it, but he's like a bit of an adventurous boy, you know. So, uh, yeah, exactly. You see, I think because they had a couple of girls on the telly and they were going to do it for charity. And so they took them up in a, in a cable car and then they opened the door and they stood looking at and they started crying. And I thought, would you really cry if you couldn't do it? And then I remember years ago, we went up Blackpool Tower, and at the very top of Blackpool Tower, there's a piece of glass in the floor, which is about three inches thick, and you stand on it, and you could look straight down the tower. So we stand on it. There's this girl up there with her boyfriend. She's in a dreadful state. She's crying. He's actually trying to pull her onto the piece of glass. I mean, it's so thick. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, she wasn't that fat. I mean, she was fairly fat, but I mean, she wasn't that fat. She wasn't going to break it or nothing. And, uh, and so she wouldn't get on it. She's crying. And she no, don't, don't. And it was horrible. And so, of course, that makes me feel a bit braver. So I then started tap dancing across it, you know, and doing the whole bit. Uh, but that, that was OK. I can do that because I could see how thick the glass was. But normally speaking, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> it's just, it's a funny thing, isn't it? We've all got a fear of something. And mine is probably heights. Mine is definitely heights. I told you when I was trying to take some pictures in a theatre a while ago in, in Twickenham, we have um, a martial arts centre, but it used to be a theatre years ago, and the guy who owns it said, listen, stand on the stepladder, push that false ceiling up, and you could see the top of the, the stage. So, of course, I stood on the ladder, but I was facing the wrong way, and he said, turn round. I said, I'm all right, I'm all right. I couldn't turn round. And I was only, like, eight feet off the ground, so I held my camera above my head backwards, taking the pictures of this thing. It was the stupidest thing ever. And he said, you, you could have turned around and said, no, I was fine, seriously, I could see everything. <laughs> Couldn't see anything at all, I'm afraid. Couldn't see anything at all. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. What are you scared of? What is it that you are scared of? I'd love to know, actually. I've told you my, my fears. The other fear is having to spend money on petrol. That's another fear of mine. I mean, I'm dreading it by the time we get to October. Oh, and somebody sent me in some things from the Lighter Life diet, because I didn't know what Lighter Life was. And uh, it turns out it's... This is a nut fudge bar. Sounds horrible, doesn't it? And the other one is a total balanced, nutritionally complete, skimmed milk and vegetable protein mix. Uh, 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 uh. It sounds horrible. You just mix it with water. And it's got... I can't tell you how many ingredients it's got in it. It's got tons of stuff. And it was sent in to me by by Joanna, who says, uh, As an avid dieter, I tried the above programme from August 06 until February 07 and lost six stone. Today I weigh more than ever. All the weight and more back on, despite following the programme to the word. I love my food and wine too much, and life is too short. As you say, little and often, and just enjoy. She says, it is out of date. Do you know, I looked at this stuff, and it's, I thought it was out of date. It's got December 09 on here. 
So, I mean, quite clearly, I'm not going to be trying it. But she says, the pack is mixed with water, and then the bar is at least something to chew on. I'm sure it works for many, but it is harsh, and you do put on, put on weight again. I've never known people do diets and it works, because it isn't just short-term, it's long-term. So every diet that you do, it's, it's no good just doing it till the weight falls off, like sort of uh, Natalie Cassidy. She just did it for, you know, for the, for the money, so she could bring out a DVD, and then she piled it all back on again. You know, like all of them do. They all do it for a little while and then bang, the weight goes back on again. But not till they've milked it by appearing on every television programme. I don't know why television producers fall for this old guff anymore. You know, they, they, most of these people have brought one of these fitness DVDs out. Mainly because it lines their pockets to the tune of about 150 grand. And coming up to Christmas, if you're not working as an actress like Natalie Cassidy, you're kind of grateful to take any old shilling that somebody's chucking at you. So they actually take it for three months. They, you, know, you can always guarantee somebody's bringing out a fitness DVD for Christmas. Because about two months before Christmas, there'll be a, a photograph of them being all porky, standing in a park with a, you know, they get, and, then they, and then there's another story with them going, I'm so horrified by how I looked. I decided to do something about it. Yeah, for 150 grand, dear. There was that, uh, that weather girl, wasn't there? And she was pictured in a park in a bikini. How many girls do you know go to the local park in a bikini? All right, maybe Twickenham and Teddington. There's a lot of that going on, but that's different. They're a bit free and easy round there. A lot of free love going on in Twickenham and Teddington, let me tell you. So, uh, and what? And, yeah, and a harrow as well. But I mean, who goes into a park in a bikini? Takes your cl- All right, so I've worn one occasionally, but that's my business, isn't it? So uh, we'll talk about that, the diets that you've been on that don't work, and, uh, and the telephone companies you don't like. It's LBC 97.3. Time now is 4.30. LBC 97.3. Call 0845 6060973. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's Biggest Conversation with Steve Allen. I had to laugh this morning. Obviously feeling particularly cruel today because there's the story of, uh, of Hazel Loveday. Hazel Loveday was the girl who was in the syndicate with Stagecoach. She's a driver. And then she didn't, she didn't have the £2. She didn't have the £2 and so she opted out. What she wanted to do was she said, uh, we're not having any luck with Euro Millions, why don't we move to the Irish Lottery? And uh, they went, no thank you. And so she opted out. But today, she said it's been the week from hell. Struggling Hazel, yeah right, like the rest of the country, uh, says her 12 pals have not been in contact to offer her a slice of the jackpot. Because you remember, they all got 3.1 million. I reckon they all sat round in the pub and went, OK, all those in favour of, uh, of giving some money to Hazel? OK, carried unanimously on that one, not a penny piece. So she's moaning in the paper, bleating on. She said, if I'd won, I'd have helped them. But you didn't. You didn't, dear. And that's it. It's kind of tough, but that's the way it works. It's like having a lottery ticket, and then eventually you go, I've not won anything for years, I'm going to throw it away. And, uh, and then the next week the numbers come up, and you go back to Camelot, and you go, listen, I've been paying, I've had those numbers for years. Give me my money, because I would have carried on playing it. So don't bleat on about it. It's your own fault. Nobody gives a stuff about you, Hazel. You know, you opted out. Nobody made you opt out. You couldn't afford the two quid. I'd love to know. I'd like to find out if Hazel's a smoker or a drinker. Because that would then, you know, to me, put it firmly into context. Because if, <clears throat> if you can't afford £2 a week, I've never heard of anybody who can't afford... I mean, even Will. He could probably find £2 in his pocket or about his person at the moment. Yeah, he'd be scraping it, admittedly. He'd have to ask, but he'd have to tap a few people at the bus stop. Excuse me, my name's Will, I work on Steve Allen's show. Can you give him a pound? Can you give him a pound? 50 pounds? Something like that. You know. I'd help him out. I'd help. Well, I wouldn't help. No, I wouldn't. I'm disappointed saying that. 
Penny. But no, I, sometimes I find money. I found 5p on the floor yesterday. And, you know, I picked it up. I picked it I don't know what I picked it up for. I was hoping nobody was looking. Because I've discovered that what, what you have to do, if you see some money on the street, don't bend down and pick it up straight away. Put your foot over it. And then, under the pretense of cleaning the front of your shoe, move your shoe a little bit, and then pick the money and put it in your pocket. OK? That's it. That's how it works nowadays. But I picked up 5p. What the hell am I going to do with 5p? I mean, I always carry change. I've always got change in my pocket. Because, you know, if you're parking around Kingston, you have to use change. You can, you can pay for parking on the telephone, but I've already registered with London. So I don't, I don't want to pay for Kingston parking. I just sort of put two quid in the metre or something like that. And, uh, but I've always got change in my pocket. And then what I do is every night or every week, I'll empty it out into a jar and I'll use notes for the day. And, uh, and then at the end of sort of the month, I go and empty it out in the supermarket and take the, uh, the proceeds. So unfortunately, Hazel Loveday, 26, uh, your pals have not been in contact because why should they? Why should they? I mean, it's no good you saying, you know, I'd have helped them had, had I won on my own. Yeah, right, of course. I've seen people say that before. It's great to say it, Hazel, but it's, it's not very likely. You've had your five minutes. You weren't in the syndicate. It's like if we were all in a syndicate here... You know, if I was in the syndicate and, uh, and well, Will wouldn't be because he'd have to ask somebody to lend him the £2 for the syndicate. But if, if we were all in the syndicate and then all of a sudden Will, Will says, listen, um, I can't afford to do it. And we go, OK, fine. And then two weeks later we won. Would we give him any money? Of course we wouldn't. Of course we wouldn't. Because he wasn't in the syndicate. You've got to be in it to win it. If you're not in it, it's like that game show that Dale does. If you're not in it at the end when the bell rings, you're not going to win anything. And it's kind of it's kind of tough, even though you might have contributed. She said, I put £200 in the pot. No, you didn't. What you did is you spent £200 during the time you were with the syndicate, but none of those tickets won. OK? Then you opt out. Somebody else takes your place in the syndicate because they wanted 12 people. And, uh, and they win. So they were obviously lucky. You weren't lucky. Or failing that, you could look at it the other way, that their numbers just happened to come up that week. But uh, nobody's going to do that for you. Money makes people quite evil, I'm afraid. It really does. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a dreadful thing to say, but it does. And I'd be very surprised if any of them give you anything. Why should they? They're not duty-bound. They're not legally bound to give you anything. Nobody is. It was their money, and that was their syndicate, and their syndicate won, and you weren't in it. Like, there were probably loads of other people who worked for Stagecoach. Who is the most complained about phone or broadband company? Talk Talk, apparently. I don't know who Talk Talk is. I think I'm... That's Carphone Warehouse, is it? It used to be. I don't know who I'm with. Does it say on your phone who you're with? Uh, I'm on O2. O2. Oh, it's not the same home, is it? Oh, I'm on, oh no, AOL I'm on at home. And I was going to change it a while ago, and then somebody said, listen, better stick with them, because if, if you start messing around with these sort of things... So I've stuck with AOL at home. I went through a very bad period where I couldn't get anything through, and then you're dealing with India, and I found, I found that a little bit of a stressful time. But uh, O2 on the phone. For some reason, when I took this phone out, and I think, no, I think O2 is with Carphone Warehouse, or perhaps they deal with lots of people, but I seem to have taken out an 18-month contract. God knows why. God knows why. 18? I must be mad. Anyway, so when this one comes up, I'm changing. I don't know who to, but everybody's complaining about Talk Talk. Apparently, regulator Ofcom found TalkTalk attracted 0.78 complaints for every 1,000 landline customers. Virgin Media had fewest moans with 0.18 per 1,000. Let's check out the tallest tower in Dubai, Uh, Steve. Oh, I've seen these people. There's a picture in the... It's made me go sweaty again. There's a picture in one of the papers the other week of some workmen in New York when they were building the... um, 
the Empire State Building, and they're sitting having their lunch on a girder. Oh, my God, there's just no chance at all. I mean, even taking the... F- and they're sitting there with their legs dangling over the edge. I'd be worried that a big gust of wind would cut and just blow them all... Oh, no. Absolutely dreadful. Wendy in Catford said, I share the same toilet phobia as you. I can't go if anybody else is in the house. I'm going on holiday with my new boyfriend in August for ten days, and I don't know how I'm going to cope. I'm having sleepless nights thinking about it. Oh, that's the worst. That is the worst. When I had this person staying with me... I had to send them out to go and get milk so I could use the bathroom. I can't, I can't, you know, some people don't worry about it in the slightest. People think I'm really peculiar. But now I know that there's other people, I've spoken to other people about it, and they're equally toilet phobic. I'm, it's seriously, it's one of those, it's, I mean, I'm not saying it's, you know, to the point, but I just, I just can't. If somebody else is in the place, it just doesn't work. And I don't want to use somebody else's toilet, I'm afraid. Uh, Steve, my friend did a backward, blindfolded bungee jump. They put a giant beanbag on the floor and took him up four feet only, and he landed on the beanbag, which was very funny. Kevin the Milkman says, bungee jump, Steve, no thanks. The only frightening thing I want to deal with is the boss saying, Oi, Kevin, a word in my office. Thinking to myself, what have I done now, and how do I talk my way out of it? Yes, I used to have a boss like that years ago, but uh, he was paranoid schizophrenic, so I mean, it's anything to wind anybody up. But uh, bungee jumping, no, no, no. It's a funny, we can't find anybody. Can't find anybody who likes it. Your story about the shower... In the building, put me in mind of when I was living in New York years ago in the 70s, I discovered there were showers in the Carnegie Hall studio building in West 57th Street, near where I worked. And I used to walk in there and shower. I expect today this is uh, no longer possible. Uh, Oh, the days where there was little security and people trusted one another. Yes, you can't just walk in now. But we've got showers all over this building. I don't know how many people use them. There must be quite a few people. But there's nothing that would get me... I watched the workmen on the towers in Dubai, standing on the top of this building. I even get panicky when I see a helicopter landing on the top of a building and there's no rail around the edge. There's a a very tall building in Kuala Lumpur. And on the very top of the building, and it's the tallest skyscraper, they're almost above the clouds, it's got an infinity swimming pool. And an infinity swimming pool is where you can't see the edge. And so you can swim right... Well, there's no way I'll go anywhere near it. You can go right to the edge of the building. The pool is at the very edge, at the top. There's, I mean, nothing. There's no chance of doing that at all. I hate the idea. Hate it. Ian says, when I lived in Wigan, Wigan, my neighbour would trawl the streets on Saturday and Sunday morning looking for all the change that the drunks would lose during their night out. I'll tell you the other good place to go for change. Theatre. The theatre. You go to the theatre, you see, as all the people are leaving, the usherettes are in there with their torches trying to find things that have fallen out of people's pockets. And when I take my trousers off when I go home, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but uh, I also... Because, <laughs> you know, you have to. You can't spend your whole life in trousers. And, uh, and I take them off, put on my jazzy shorts. But everything... It's either the way pockets are designed now, but as I'm hanging them up on the back of the bathroom door, all the change falls out of my pocket. And I've done it every day now for as long as I can remember. Every day. So I've now had to have the pockets extended so they go down. They're obviously too short, the pockets. I don't know how I get through life. It's very stressful, I tell you. Just even getting up in the morning. It's all that change. I have, I mean, I don't have a huge amount at the moment. I've not got a, not got a really big amount of change. It's a little bit. You don't know what to do with it. Oh, oh, actually, I've got more than I thought. Two pound. I like the two pound coins. I really like two pound coins. Two, three, four, five, six, seven. I've got about, um, seven pound eighty worth of change. Which is about normal, isn't it, really? If you're going to park the car or something like that. I don't, I don't give to beggars or any of those sort of people. I don't give any of that sort of thing. But £7.80. So, it's a good sturdy amount. And I've got, I've got cash in my wallet as well. I got told off for telling people on air how much money I carry in my wallet. Because I, I normally carry 
about two or three hundred pounds in there. For no reason. There's no reason for it. I think it's an insecurity. I think it goes back to when you were younger and you didn't have any money. And I remember going to the cash point and taking out uh, five pounds when I had a visa card and then realising when the visa card came through that, uh, that the interest that they were charging just didn't kind of make it worthwhile. But I didn't have any money. I didn't have any money at all. So I then became, and because I pay cash, I don't put stuff on cards, because I pay cash for things, that would, that would sort of pay for my, for my weekend, for sort of, you know, drink, for food, and for taxes and things like that, or petrol in the car. But mind you, if you've got 200 quid in your wallet, that's practically filled up the tank. That's it. That is all you've got, I'm afraid. It doesn't look particularly good at all. Uh, Waitrose have got a special promotion on Manuka. Yeah, they've got a big... It's, it's got to be Manuka, honey. We've, we've had this long discussion about uh, honey. It's got to be Manuka, cause I was, because um, Will looked at it this morning. Of course, being nosy. Oh, what's that, he said, casually. He thought it was baby food. But then, but yesterday, Carl opened it in the office, and he smelt it. Poor! So he's obviously never smelt honey, because to me, it just... It just smells like honey. Well, actually, it smells a bit farmyard, actually. <laughs> it, a bit... it does, it smells like horses' stables. bit like that. But it's, it's so good for you. And I told you, I saw this woman in Marks and Spencer's the other day, and she was buying Manuka honey and a lemon, and I thought you'd been listening to my programme. I didn't say anything, you don't like to. Weather for today, being Friday, cloudy, some fog and mist around to start with, but it will clear to leave sunny spells. The high today, 18 centigrade, so that's slightly warmer than yesterday. Yesterday we got about... 16 on the old, uh, on the old metres. Currently it's 7 degrees. Tonight, cloudy. Fog in some places, but it will be dry. Minimum 7. Tomorrow, cloudy, with some mist to start with. Sunny spells developing by the afternoon. Maximum 19 degrees centigrade. So it's a good day tomorrow for doing a boat trip. Sunday, dry, starting cloudy, sunny spells later. And Monday and Tuesday, dry, starting cloudy, sunny spells later. It's worth getting the car washed and waxed, I think, this weekend. We might actually push the boat out. Because, uh, I love it if we've got a nice sunny weekend, because that's really good. Um... Fears. Uh, Angela has fears. Uh, and that's it. I am one. Is it the whole thing? Just the whole life is a fear, I should imagine. We've all got fears. Do you have any fears, Will? Do you have things that, uh, that frighten you, apart from presenters? Spiders. Ah, spiders. The worst thing is, as I walk sometimes through a door, at night time the spiders spin their webs, and if you get one in your hair, and you can feel the web as you've walked through... That frightens me, because I've sat in the car before, and I felt something walking up my neck, and it turned out to be a spider. My last producer had a fear of, um, mice. You only had to mention the word mouse, because we've got these little boxes in the studio to get rid of mice. And, uh, and she goes, stop it, stop it now, stop it now. She used to get really panic-stricken, panic-stricken about mice. But, uh, spiders I don't like. My brother had a fear of moths. In the bedroom at night, he had a dreadful fear of moths coming in and settling on him or something. See, moths didn't bother me. The only thing was, you'd be lying in bed and you'd, you'd swear blind something was crawling up your arm or something like that. And that used to frighten me a little bit. Earwigs frightened me. Anything like that frightens me. I want to talk about t- uh, train travel, uh, because there'll be many of you listening who probably get trains regularly. And I wonder, really, whether your train experience you think is uh, overcrowded, it is in the morning, isn't it, overcrowded, erratic and poor value, as a new survey has suggested. Uh, what was the, the last time you took a train? Or do you do trains every morning? What would make it more pleasurable? I mean, the answer is, for me, as far as I'm concerned, I do trains, but I'm going the opposite direction. More, more trains. More trains. I mean, I'd, it's, it's all right if you're going from here back home, because the trains are never busy. I mean, all we actually get on our trains are Polish workmen. 
who appear now to bring their own tools with them. I don't remember years ago people having their own tools, but now you see people get on the trains with, you know, workbenches and saws and hammers and boxes and spirit levels and drills and all the rest of it. And so, and you can always spot, spot all, the, all the workers because they've all got camouflage clothing on. There must be shops out there selling camouflage clothing. Perhaps it's ex-army stuff. I don't know. But uh, what would make your train journey more pleasurable? I always think a food trolley would be nice in the morning. You know, some tea, coffee. Or somebody chatting to you. I know there's no room, but then get rid of some of the people. Go, look, I'm terribly sorry, it's crowded. We're not having standing. Because the speed of some of these trains, I mean, you can understand why, if there was an accident, you know, very little chance of getting out alive. Very, and the worst thing is, a bus the other I got on a bus the other day, and I thought, if this thing crashed, there was two women with, with prams on there, but they were big prams. If we crashed, people would be clambering over these prams to try and get out. If this thing was on fire, they're way overcrowded at the moment. Way overcrowded. Look at the time. 14 to 5. LBC 97.3. London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning. 0845 What are you scared of? We met somebody last time, but they were scared. Was it pigeons? Pigeons seems to be fairly... Clowns. Very popular. People being scared of clowns. I never understood that at all. Never worried me clowns. I just thought clowns were sort of funny people. I never, I never saw why they were scary, but we spoke to a number of people a while ago who said, no, clowns were definitely very, very scary. I'm scared of most of McDonald's food. I'm fairly scared of that, except hash browns. I love a hash brown. <gasps> I sh- I could, I'm just looking at an advert on the television for them. I don't know why I'm looking at an advert. I could just eat a quarter pounder with cheese now. <laughs> That'd be quite a nice thing to do. So what are you, what are you scared of? You know, me, it's, you know, I cannot do... I'm even changing a light bulb in the bathroom. I've got a little um, set of steps, little small... I mean, literally three three steps. And standing on that, I get a bit wobbly. If I had to... I'd change the shower curtain a short while ago, because every so often you take the shower curtain off and change it. And um, and, and I, I stood on the edge of the bath. I felt decidedly wobbly. It's not good at all. John, morning. Hi. hi. Morning. But what, what are you scared yeah. of? Um, I'm actually scared of heights. Exactly what you said about yourself being scared. I'm actually scared of the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, about like um, you know, about going to the roller coasters and that. Oh no. Yeah, oh. because I went to um, I went to Thor Park. Oh right. <laughs> you didn't go on it, did you? Well, I, w- I went to the um, you know, the stealth. Yes. Yeah, that one goes like very very fast, and yes. I'm actually I got into there myself. I went there with my girlfriend. Yeah. She saw the high people screaming. She said, "No, I'm not going." I said, okay, I'm <laughs> "That's the worst thing, isn't it? You go to a place yeah. and you stand there watching it, and people scream, and you go, we 'We're not going on that.'" <laughs> so I thought, "Let me do it. Let me do it. I'm brave. I'm brave." So I went to sit there. I went to sat, sat there by with, next to somebody who I don't even know, <laughs> and then the thing began to go, and I began to swear. All the swearing was oh, no. coming out. I was just swearing to myself, oh, and then my girlfriend. When I came out, I was actually shaking. <laughs> Did you go uh, every year in Hyde Park? We have a big fun fair. No, 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 no. Oh, you'd love it. They have a thing there, which I mean, to be honest with you, it's it's the scariest thing I've ever been. It's a big tall tower with seats mm. around the outside, and you sit around the outside, and then you get lifted to the top of this tower, which is above the trees. Wow! And then you sit there, and this thing is swaying, and then all of a sudden, he pushes a button, and it drops you. And let me tell you something. Um, my girlfriend, she's Italian, so we went to Italy, and her family lives on the on the sixth floor. And in Italy, the sixth floor is quite high yes. because the their roof is very like a uh, very high. So the sixth floor looks like it's as if it's the eighth or the tenth floor in England oh, here. No. So we sat there on the balcony on a very very hot oh, no. summer day, 
about 40 degrees, and they all sat by the balcony. And they said, come outside, come outside. I looked outside, and I'm like, no way. No, no. So what I did, I got my chair, and I put my chair by the by the door. <laughs> half inside, half outside, and I'm like, I'm safe here. I'm <laughs> Just in case the balcony outside. drops away from the building. <laughs> A friend of mine, friend of mine, John, yeah. used to live down at Victoria. He, he bought a flat at Victoria, and mm. the balcony was glass. Glass floor, glass walls, yeah. glass front. And I wouldn't even step on it. I would never do that, no I way. said, what on earth possessed you to buy a flat with a glass balcony? He said, it, he said it's look, good, you can look all the way down through it. I said, are you mad? <laughs> I never went, any, I mean, I said, I'm not sitting on that. I sat inside. I mean, even watching a film, when I see a, sometimes when I see a film and then the, the, the camera zooms in into, like, to see how high the place is, oh. my legs begin to shake just watching the yes. film. Yes, I'm exactly so. Anybody having a fight on the top of a roof and they get near the edge, I start panicking. I, I, my legs shake, my legs shake when I watch a film. Listen, if, I wonder like what I'm it there. is, because some people have got no fear of heights whatsoever. It doesn't bother them. They, they, they appear to be fearless. And I think, well, why are you fearless? And I'm terrified. And you're terrified as well. I'm terrified of it. Even, like, I'm yeah, watching a film, I'm, I'm like, no way. I'm, I would never do that. Especially um, Mission Impossible. Yes, I was just thinking about Mission Impossible. <laughs> they yeah, do a lot of mean? things on buildings. <laughs> Even Spider-Man gets me going. <laughs> I couldn't do anything. Uh, I like the idea of holding your hands out and going <laughs> and shooting out this web and then swing. But I mean, I couldn't swing from buildings. And I'm actually scared of the idea of actually getting on a helicopter. Yes, well, because they well, they, they always crash. I'm terrified of helicopters. Yeah. Never, it's only, it's, a, it's that little blade at the top that goes <laughs> like that. That's well, the only thing it's... keeping you up there. I just think there's not enough support. If it's aeroplane, then it's okay because it's big. I can just sit down. Listen, but I don't even like aeroplanes, John. I'm not even good on aeroplanes. I mean, all right, I just close my eyes and hope it, it takes off and that's it. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't I, even, always, I don't like the experience. I always do prayers, you know. I'm, do, I'm always doing my prayers, you know, when I'm on the aeroplane. <laughs> Listen, stage, I always think if you've actually got to the stage, John, doing your prayers, you've given up hope. <laughs> You're hoping that the Almighty is going to save you, but there's another 340 people he's got to look after before he gets to you. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> but it's nice to hear from you, John. Thank you for that. So John's got the same fear that I have. In fact, I've gone quite, quite sweaty thinking about plane travel. I, I do get on planes, and I'm like, sometimes you sit there and you think, if it did crash, <laughs> you, know, you, you have to think of these. I mean, I try to be practical. If it did crash, would I pick up my phone? And so I immediately go to my phone, and I get a number ready to dial, just in case, because I want to be able to talk to somebody. You know, at the end, I want to better say to somebody, you know, even if I, you could just imagine you phone it and then you get an answer, or failing that, they actually pick up the phone and go, hold on, Steve, with you in a minute. You go, no, now, now. <laughs> I'd want to talk to someone. I don't know what I'd say to them. I really wanted to go out with you years ago, but you never wanted to go out with me, you know. You get Will the other end of the phone going, Steve, put the phone down. <laughs> exactly. Those sort of things frighten me, getting on plane. I often wonder, I look at a plane, I look at all the people, I still haven't fathomed out how it takes off. I've got no idea how this thing stays up in the air. Well, some of them don't. But, I mean, I've, I've sort of looked at it. And helicopters. John had this fear of helicopters. And the fear, what did we have last time? We had fear of... I can understand pigeons, because I don't like pigeons. I mean, the only good pigeon is a dead one, as far as I'm concerned. And, and then those poor policemen the other day, they go out to talk to this bloke in East London, I think, and his, uh, his Rottweiler attacks them, or a Rottweiler-type dog. They had to shoot it dead. This thing attacked them. 
You know, you do see people walking down the street with these dogs, you know, they, they, they think they're the big I am, and now he's, he's the big I am not with dog anymore. You know, you can't have that. It must be frightening. I've got a bit of a fear of... Horses as well. Horses, they, they sort of frighten me a little bit. In fact, there's, there's not much that doesn't. Bees. Bees are okay. I think bees are quite cool. I've discovered, because I've got lots of plants in at the moment, and, uh, and, I've, and, I've, and a lot of bees are coming up there, obviously from the local place, to sort of check out, uh, you know, exactly what, what the flower situation is. And at the moment, it's fairly good. It's fairly cool. And so I've got the bees up there, and I've discovered you can actually walk round, you know, bees, and they'll leave you alone. Wasps are horrible. Wasps just don't like you to start with iPhone went mad this AM with typos. Sorry for the fear, just put in X. Trains, great barns to Waterloo, link daily for me, just too darn expensive, said Angela. Do you know, I think, I mean, I've I've got an Oyster card, and I can go home on my Oyster card, and I think on an Oyster card, it's something like £1.35. If you pay cash, it's £2.30 or something like that. I think the Oyster card is the best invention ever. When they actually put Twickenham at the end of the line for us, and now I can go further. I went to Wimbledon the other day. I think it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. You can use the Oyster card. Really, really thrilled. So we're talking about your, your train experiences. Uh, other customers are more satisfied with rail journeys. They said that some train companies are getting it right. Um, they, they, pe- people talked about people in the aisles. I tell you the thing that annoys me, people with bicycles. You know, in the middle of the rush hour, you've got somebody with a fold-up Brompton bicycle. Very nice, though, it is, too. But I always think, why don't you get off the train and cycle the blasted thing? Don't try and push your way onto a train with other people. You know, and, they, and they've always... Have you noticed? They've got everything. They're wearing the day-glow colours. They've also got their cycling helmet with the flashing nick-nick light on the front of it and the fold-up bike. And they've got what? They're yeah, they're probably going to a rave, yeah. Will's not, not well this morning, I have to tell you. It's not all there in the brain department, but never mind. We're sort of struggling with it. We're getting through, aren't we? We're getting through. He's, he's, he's going for a new layered look today. I'm not sure whether or not it's the entire Primark catalogue. We'll let you know by the end of the programme. But there's certainly, a, certainly a look of Primark about some of it. He's sort of got, he's got a shirt on, and then he's got this sort of, this sort of padded jacket kind of thing. It's a puffer jacket. It certainly does. Yes. It's a what? Oh, right. Obviously, a posh name. Or something. And then he's got another thing over the top of that as well. Is it because it's cold in here? Put the heating up, then. You know, all these people. I mean, I'm, I'm not. I, I don't do layers. I look silly in layers. And I used to. I used to get very, very hot. So I mean, I, I don't even wear a vest now. I'm just. You know, some people wear vests, but they wear it as a fashion statement. You know, the vest with the shirt over the top. You know, but the shirt is open to show the vest. But it, it's still a vest either way, whichever way you look at it. They're either chillproof or they're not. So we talk about things that you're frightened of this morning. Things that really make you go, oh, no, oh, no. Uh, or train journeys on 0845 6060 973. And um, what else is in the paper today? Uh, trying to find, there's, there's lots of, lots of stories of, of Talisa, I'm afraid. And, um, oh, a lottery firm emailed 300 people saying they'd won £3 billion each. They then apologised for the mistake. And there's a woman here called Lizzie Griffiths. She spent £3,000 of her wedding fund... Uh, saving her beloved pet lizard, George, from cancer. She had to cure his cancer. There's a picture of her trying to kiss him. And he's, um... I don't know what he is, actually. He's, he's, I think he's a bearded lizard. And he's the first bearded dragon in the UK to have radiotherapy. And he obviously realised that she'd saved his life. And she kisses him. She kisses the, this lizard. It's not normal behaviour, I'm afraid. I'm a bit scared about lizards. I, I don't do, do lizards at all. And uh, so she says, I'm in love with him. And so I had to help him. He apparently, you know, seems, you know, seems very happy. He used to have this growth on his face. A vet told her it was cancer. 
So her and her boyfriend said, listen, I tell you what, let's cancel the wedding, spend the money on George, and uh, and now George... In fact, even her, her boyfriend says, listen, George comes first. We've already agreed that. Which is sweet, isn't it? I don't know whether George appreciates the fact that they've spent three grand that they were going to spend on the wedding on him curing his cancer. But it's a nice thing to do. And the boyfriend, uh, who is Chris says that when, when George is with Lizzie, he sits there really patiently and, you know, obviously is very comfortable. But uh, when he's with me, he's a little bit fidgety. But uh, either way, would you do that? Would you spend money on your pet? Would you spend a lot of money on your pet? I know people get a bit carried away with it. 0845 6060 973. So we're talking about you as a rail passenger, dissatisfied with your journey into town, because many of you have to go through it every single day. And it's not pleasant... You know, to be shoved into a carriage. I've seen people literally running for... Well, in fact, every morning I see people running for trains. Running for trains. And I think, so much easier if you're on one of those riverboat things. It just looks a more peaceful way of life. So we'll do that tomorrow. But uh, for the meantime, it's LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. You're very welcome. It's nice to have your company. It's Friday. It's going to be another gorgeous day. So we can uh, we can sit back and, uh, and enjoy some decent weather for a change. As long as you're not coming into town with all those ghastly roadworks. Back after the news at five with Sam Pittis, which is next. Morning, your fears this morning. We've discovered its heights. Heights is the, is the big thing for it's a, it's a it's the big leveler, isn't it? It's the one thing that we can't do. We cannot stand. I can't stand on step ladders. I can't stand on chairs. I mean, I've done it before because the top of my cupboard is actually quite high, and my my pigeonhole is quite high as well. And I could just about sort of stand on tippy toe to see if there's anything in there, but I can't actually get anything out of it. So I have to move a chair there, and all the chairs move. There's no static chairs. And people are going, be careful. I'm clinging onto the cupboard for grim death. But it's heights that we can't... Will, Will's decided that if he did do a bungee jump, he'd, he'd, probably, he'd probably bottom out at the last minute because it's, it's fairly, fairly scary, I suppose. Uh, we talk about trains as well. Hot topic trains. I, I mean, to be honest with you, I love trains. I love trains. I could, I could happily sit on trains and, and just go the length and breadth of this land. I really could. I, you know, provided you've got some food, uh, you know, some chips or a bottle of wine or something. It doesn't even have to be a bottle of wine, just a nice cup of tea. I'd be happy with, and just go up and down the country and look at it. Really lovely. Not at speed. I'd quite like to do something slow, so it would have, probably have to be the Bluebell line, something that's a bit more sedate. But it's it's the prices, I think, which people complain about, isn't it, Dave? Yes, it is, it, it is Steve, yes. Um, just to uh, tell you a little story. First and foremost, let me just say, Steve, I absolutely I love your show. Thank it, you. It, it brightens up my day every day. Oh, there you go. All right, to the train. <laughs> yeah! Um, Sorry. <laughs> to the train. Yeah. Um, I had a hospital appointment um, about three weeks ago now, and um, I'm a driver, and I like to drive everywhere because I don't like public transport um, at all. Um, so I decided on this occasion to get the train. Now, I was going into London, and it's uh, 15 stops from where I live into London. Right. Um, so I headed down to the station, uh, got to the station, um, went to buy a ticket. Now, I'm not a Oyster card holder, so I don't have that, that pleasure of the cheap fares. Mm. Um and went to the um, the counter to get my ticket, eight pounds thirty to get into London. Um, and then I said to the guy, "That's a bit dear, isn't it?" He said, "Well, if you had an Oyster card, he said it would only be four pounds." Mm. Well, I haven't got an Oyster card. He said, "Well, you have to pay eight pounds." But okay, fair enough. So I paid it, 
got onto the train and at stand for uh, 15 stops into London. And the journey was just over an hour, I'd be about an hour and 15 minutes. I couldn't believe the, the amount of people that were actually standing on the trains. And I, I, I got talking to a, a, a guy on the train and he was telling me how much he pays for his season ticket. Oh, my um, God. And it's quite a lot of money. Uh, yeah. Quite a lot of money. A couple of thousand? Um, I think, yeah, it was about £1,600, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, and... Again, we was we was got talking, and he said that he he does his journey every day, and he he has to stand as well. Yeah, so unfortunately, bit... I mean, I investigated this many many years ago, and we we spoke to the train companies, and they said buying a ticket does not guarantee a seat. Mm. And to be honest with you, you see, I mean, it, it manners go out the window. You see elderly people standing, ladies yeah. who are pregnant standing, because it's Indeed, so yeah. rammed that nobody yeah. nobody bothers. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been brought up in a in a sort of. Uh, an area like um, if if I if if I was to get public transport, I, I would sit. If I did see a, a, an old lady or a, a pregnant lady or an old gentleman, I, I would I would let them sit down because you'll see my legs are a bit more younger than yeah. what their legs are. You know. But the trouble but is because the go. trains are so packed in the morning, you can't actually. If you see an old lady, you, nine out of ten times she couldn't get to your seat anyway. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just so so glad that I have to rely on public transport, and I, yeah. I do get to drive everywhere. Yes, I mean, to be honest with you, I, I, I would rather take the car than rely on public transport. It used to be my worst nightmare. When we were based in Fleet Street years ago, I would come back to Waterloo Station on a Friday night and you'd have all the businessmen who'd been out drinking and they would yeah. sit there with their, with their Casey burgers in front of them, you know, <laughs> with the cheese dripping out the side of it and you'd think, you're going to be sick any minute, aren't you? <laughs> it was horrible. It was horrible. I hated it. So you're right. I mean, it's, it's an expensive way of doing it and you wish that it was a more pleasant experience. But if you're a commuter, you're kind of stuck. Dave, thank you for that. Actually, as you're such a fan, I hope you're downloading the free podcast every day. Yeah, yeah, big up for the free podcast. In fact, big up for the free podcast because it's on iTunes as well. I think for three weeks now, we've been on the front page of iTunes. I'm ever so grateful. I'm ever so grateful. I'm only a little person, you know. But I'm actually up there, which is good, which means we get even more downloads from iTunes. So thank you ever so much. They've just they've put it up there. Steve Allen's, I think, I can't remember what it says now. Steve Allen's little bit of extra or something, or Steve Allen's little little extra. What have you done with my hot water, Nick? Have you decided to sit on it or something? Is there some reason? You're going... Oh, he's going to bring it. Do you think it would have gone cold by the time you brought it in? If my Manuka honey doesn't dissolve in it, there's big trouble, I'm telling you. You might see the first queenie fit of the day. <laughs> so, so, train travel, nice. Unfortunately, if you're a commuter, you're, you're kind of stuck, aren't you? You are kind of stuck because you're either going to bring the car in, in which case you've got to hope that you found somewhere to park. You've also got to pay the £10 congestion charge. And, and then you sit there and it can take just as long coming in in the car. It's not, I mean, either way, it's just not a pleasant experience. Although at least if you've got the car there and you smoke, you can have a cigarette or you can listen to the radio. And that's, you know, there's probably lots of people now who are setting off on their journeys. If you're going on the train, you know you're going to be sitting on the station and then the train comes in and you know that it's going to be packed because further up the line there's other people because the commuters are now spreading further and further out. So before, you know, Twickenham might have been first stop on the line and, and the train might arrive in sort of reasonably empty. No, when it arrives in Twickenham coming into Waterloo, the fast train, which stops at Reading and then Clapham Junction, sorry, stops at Richmond and then Clapham Junction and then Waterloo, it's packed. And there's always loads of people on Twickenham. It always amazes me how every day people run for the train on Twickenham Station. Every day, the train will be coming at the same time, and still people, I'll be out the station, just crossing the bridge, and people will be running towards me. 
And yet the train is there at the same time every day. I don't know why people run for these things. But it's, it's just not pleasant, is it? So we're talking about that, your train journeys, uh, the cost of it. It's, it's not cheap. As Dave just said, you know, I think from Epping to London, I think it's something like 2,300 or something a year. It's, it's certainly a lot of money. And, um, and we're talking about your fears, heights, wasps, pigeons, clowns, mice, spiders... It's clowns. People hate clowns. People hate clowns. Do you not know that? There's, a, there's almost a, there's a name for a fear of clowns. I can't remember. There's a name for everything nowadays, but there's a name for a fear of clowns. I, I always thought clowns were funny, but the amount of kids you speak to, and they had clowns at their birthday parties, and they were frightened of them. You know, it's a bit like sort of turning up to a party, and you meet somebody, and you go, hello, who are you? And they go, hello, I'm Andy McCall. You go, ah! <laughs> this is a travel ban. <laughs> He'll be sitting upstairs having a bit of a laugh at that this morning, because he liked that cheerful little soul. Cheerful little soul. <laughs> Is it hot? Boiling. Oh, that's right. Try to kill me. Fine, OK. <laughs> uh, Steve, I'm scared of touching cat fur, cotton wool, apple cores and polystyrene. Oh, polystyrene. Do you remember polystyrene? Polystyrene blocks... I tell you, my, the worst thing I hate, it's only because it's blooming messy, is when you order something from abroad and it comes in a box and you open it up and there's about 500 little bits of polystyrene in there which stick to everything. Stick to everything. Oh, that drives me mad. I prefer it if they wrap it in paper, which is, which is local to their area, because at least you've got something to read. Uh, Tense and scary TV programmes, says Karen. I recorded an episode of Whitechapel and decided to watch it in the day as I'm too scared at night. Five minutes into it... Before the real scary part came on, I decided deleting it was the best thing. I did that the other day. I started watching this this programme on the television, and it was one of those... It's always dark, and they pull the car up outside, and then they turn the headlights off, and it's even darker. And there's no lights on in the house. And they go up the steps, which creak. And you think, don't go, please, please don't go in the house. There'll be somebody in there who's waiting to do you some harm. Don't go, I have to turn the television over now. We did a very funny in conversation yesterday with Richard E. Grant. We laughed and we laughed. It was like a comedy, a comedy programme because we have so much in common. You know, we're both insecure and he collects Pelham puppets. And I used to have Pelham puppets and I told him about the Pelham puppet book. And uh, he loves Pelham puppets. He just collects them. And he did, at the end of the programme, he said, if any of your listeners, he said, have got Pelham puppets that they're throwing out, he said, I'll, I'll adopt them. I'll look after them for them. And he lovingly looks after these puppets. This is Richard E. Grant. We laughed about everything. It was, it was just a very, very funny, it's a very good interview, actually. But you won't be hearing it this weekend, because I think this weekend, I think you've got um, Dexter Fletcher who was in Press Gang, and he's now directed his first movie, which is called Wild Bill. It's a bit scary in parts. And we're also going to be talking to Alexander Armstrong. Very funny man. Quiz show host. Lot to talk about with him. But uh, we've got all sorts of people coming up. Michael Bolton, Engelbert Humperdinck, Karen Brady. Big up for Engelbert. Actually, strange enough, put uh, Jonathan Ross in the paper today. He said, people keep mistaking me for Engelbert Humperdinck. I don't see the... Uh, the, the similarity at all, I'm afraid. Steve, my train compartment's empty every day. Always get a seat, nobody ever comes in. It does help, I say, says Andy, in Chessington being the driver. Ha 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 ha! <laughs> Actually, I've, I've always wanted to drive a train. It can't be that difficult. You know, you don't just steer it, do you? You just have to hold the dead man's hand down, or whatever it is, on the underground, and the other ones are probably similar. But I just quite fancy the idea of driving a train and sitting there... Because you can never see them. Whenever my, my train pulls in, there might be a train next to me, and I always look to see if I can see the driver. Because I'd actually be sitting there waving, going, Hi! 
you know, I'd love to be a ticket. I, I got on the bus the other day, and the the inspectors got on. Can I see your tickets, please? Of course, I've got an oyster cast. You hold it, and they hold their little thing over it, machine, and it tells them whether it's an active card or whatever. Owing to the fact you've managed to get on the bus, I'm assuming it always was, actually. Uh, only two, th- two things I fear, Steve. Flying, after watching F- Final Destination and The Dentist. Oh, dear. Bob in Bracknell says, I have a fear of heights, but I did climb the Sydney Bridge, but never again. Yeah, I've seen them doing it. I've seen them doing it. It just doesn't... Uh... Doesn't do it for me at all. I just, I just can't do things like that. I mean, I, I'm even, even church spires, I've been up a few, and again, that just doesn't do it for me. I wish, I wish it did. I wish, it, I wish I didn't have any fear. But then I, it's good to have fear, isn't it? I had a, what did I have a fear the other day of daffodils. I developed it because somebody told me that daffodils were poisonous, and I don't know why. Or who, who told me this? I mean, it might not be true. Or anyway, whatever it is, I had this. Somebody had given me for my birthday two big bunches of daffodils, and I put them in this vase. And I've got them in the kitchen. So the kitchen needed a bit of cheering up. So I put the daffodils in the kitchen. And uh, and I kept brushing up against them. And then I've got this thing, which has got a utility thing. It's got knives and forks and everything else in it. And um, and the daffodils brushed up against it. I've had to wash them all. Because I'm just worried that there might be something on a daffodil that might be poisonous. And I, I don't want to be found dead on the floor of the kitchen. It becomes like a Miss Marple mystery, doesn't it, really? Who killed Steve Allen? Answer, loads of people. Quarter past five. Morning, eight, sorry. 18 minutes past uh, past five. Friday... <coughs> God, dear. <coughs> I just I came back. I thought, I'll have a little cough by myself. And just when they go, coming back, you know, that's what you don't want to hear. I see Loose Woman, and by God she is. Denise Welsh has rejected big money to be on Life Stories with Piers Morgan. Would meant probably being sober for about an hour and a half. ITV Chiefs wanted the Big Brother winner... Was she a Big Brother winner? To talk about marriage to Tim Healy and her romance with toy boy lover Lincoln Townley. How sad, how sad and tragic, Denise, that they're not remotely interested in your acting or any ability to stand upright. All they want to talk about is your marriage to Tim Healy, how you're a drunk and how you've got a boyfriend. How sad is that? Anyway, she, she's rejected it. She said no, because she's going to do a book. A pal said, people will be desperate to serialise the book. It could be lucrative. Desperate, I think, is the word that describes Denise Welsh, I'm afraid. I mean, how sad, isn't it? Old woman gets drunk, falls over, flashes her knickers, flashes her boobs, and it could be anybody I know, actually, and, uh, and then writes a book about the experiences. Perhaps Talisa will be writing a book about her sex tapes, because her, uh, her boyfriend, this is uh, MC Ultra, Justin Edwards, doesn't quite sound the same, to Justin, Justin Love, over here. I'm MC Ultra now. Yeah, all right, of course you are, dear. And uh, and he's made this sort of tape, and apparently he's got loads of them, and she's horrified. Of course she is, you know, because she'd probably forgotten she made them. You know, because most people forget this. I mean, I would remember, if I, if I was, you know, in the throes of passion, 1967, a Tuesday, I remember, and, um, you know, and somebody then produces a camera and starts taking it. You're going to remember, aren't you? You're going to kind of remember that kind of thing. But, I mean, to be honest with you, if anybody actually wants to look at pictures of me half-naked, I mean, I've got loads. We show them at the shows. I've got loads, I've got, you know, loads of my baby pictures and everything, me on rugs, me upside down, you know, me sort of doing, you know, all sorts of strange manoeuvres. I see that poor old uh, Chunky, they now call him, that's uh, James Argent, let's just call him Fat Boy Fat, shall we, has uh, fallen off his diet wagon. He was, he was on a night out with a blonde babe in Marbella. Lovely, lovely class boy, isn't he? He went with Joey Essex, who was hanging round with a woman. Joey Essex is somewhat peculiar, I have to tell you. But uh, anyway, and they were there. It was such a class act. They were in a bar with a Michael Bublé tribute act. 
<laughs> Couldn't even get Michael Bublé, they've just got a tribute act. But uh, anyway, a source said that guys looked like they were having fun. Difficult to tell with James Argent, isn't he? I mean, he is so fat. They say he recently broke up with long-term girlfriend Lydia Not-So-Bright. But he's dancing with a, with a pretty blonde. Well, actually, he did split up with her, but he did go back and they did have relations again. Because he told everybody on the programme, making her thus look a little bit cheap, I'm afraid. Uh, and himself even more stupid. But that's what blokes can do. You know, we'd like to be famous, dear. Yeah, of course, because businesswoman and I. Businesswoman. Lovely. She's having elocution lessons. I hope that's going well for her. We hope everything goes well for her. Steve, I was coming back few more birthday bash, when a woman got on at Twickenham, she sat opposite me, took her shoes off and sat there, bare feet, obliviously, that the fact that her feet smelt. So I got up and moved, so did others. I said, there was a woman the other day, I got up, and she put her feet on the seat. And I, unfortunately, I can't hold back. I always, I always look at them and go, like that, you know, I'm quite tough. Uh, and if ever I see people on the phone, so I just go, excuse me, this is a quiet compartment. You want to use your phone, go somewhere else. I hate it when people get on and they're sort of carrying on, chatting away to somebody. Uh, uh, Steve, go to Yahoo and you can see some unseen pictures of the Titanic. Actually, I just got, because Neil went over to, to Vegas and he went to the Titanic Museum and, um, and sent me a, a packet of all the stuff. It's all replicas, but it's really nice stuff. It's got little pictures, a boarding card and everything else. He says, happy 59th, you cheeky devil. Honestly, what do people... Nobody's ever got my age right. 38. And, um, yeah, plus, plus that, unfortunately. So, uh, thank you for that one. We like unseen pictures. We're talking about your phobias this morning. We're talking about your train journeys and how horrendous it is for you in, uh, in the morning if you are a, a trained person. Yesterday, we talked about working for the royal family, and I watched part three, which John Warrington sent me, of the, uh, the Diamond Queen, and it was a look behind the scenes talking to, well, everybody, Princess, Princess Anne was on there, they talked to Prince Philip, uh, they talked to uh, the boys, William and Harry. They talked to Prince Andrew's girls as well, who actually came over reasonably well. Reasonably well, you know, they were talking about... They've got a name for their grandmother, and I can't remember what it is. It isn't, isn't Granny, there's a name for her, which, which they have affectionately. But, I mean, she seems to run the family. You know, it's as simple as that, you know, and everybody knows their, their place. Sometimes they all fall off a little bit. But, but they, don't, they don't spend a lot of money on their staff... It's the kudos of working for the royal family. So the other day they were looking for somebody to deliver breakfast and it paid 15 grand. And then it turned out that was just one part of, uh, of your job description, which meant everything from delivering to other members of the royal family, to lower members of the royal family, to people in the kitchens. And you had to take papers in, take papers out, be available to go on the coach. You have to welcome... Oh, I mean, the list of the jobs went on and on, all for 15 grand a year. And uh, Neil says, working for the royal family... He says, when I was 18, I'd just qualified as a chef and I worked at Royal Ascot, cooking for the Royal Family in the Royal Enclosure. I never got to see any of them close up. We were very much uh, kept off site. I think I was on around 18 quid a day, which was in the late 70s. Great experience. And it's amazing how interested people are when I happen to mention that I used to cook for the Queen. It's a bit like saying I had Adele singing in the back of my van. I love people's reaction. But uh, whilst working at Ascot, I did see Sir Charles Claw and his butler, who I'm sure sponsored a building at London Zoo around that time. I re met Roy Kinnear, who was very nice. He travelled home one day with the head chef on the train to London and amazed me, once the train pulled out of the station, he dropped his trousers. He still had his chef trousers on. And then he took out smoked salmon, an assortment of cheeses, veal, steak, game pies, even eggs. It was like a delivery from a Fortnum and Mason's hamper. All the stuff he'd pinched. Oh, how lovely. There was a thing the other... There's a lovely picture of the paper today of, um... 
I think it could be Brooklyn School in America, and the parents had to bring food that they'd made. Victoria Beckham just turned up with a pile of pork pies and sausage rolls that she just cut in half. She'd quite clearly just bought them in a shop and just arranged them on a tray. Because you don't get the impression, do you, that, that Victoria Beckham can actually cook. She just looks like she sort of stands in the kitchen and goes, I don't know what to do. You know, you just get the feeling maybe opening a tin of soup sort of pushes the boundaries a little bit. Um... Steve, I work on the railways and I always smile when I watch people running for trains which aren't leaving for five minutes, says Ollie. Never surprised when I'm asked, which way is the train going while standing at the buffers? I know. I mean, it's always easier to say, um, straight ahead. Yeah. People do ask you dumb things, though, don't they? I mean, I have to. I have to. I have to check with people all the time. I can read timetables. I'm very good, because at Waterloo there's loads of trains going out our way. I mean, if the worst comes to the worst, I can go to Richmond, get off and I can get a bus. Richard E. Grant said that he actually goes back to Richmond on the train. On the train, Richard E. Grant, he said that I get the 65 bus to Kingston. Because I think he's sort of, uh, he's just outside Richmond. But he, he collects Pelham puppets. So he will be appealing on the programme in about a week's time uh, about, about Pelham puppets. We had a long chat about them, because I love puppets. So we're talking about things that you're scared of this morning. You know, think it's heights. It really is heights. I mean, I couldn't even stand on a chair in here, because I'd have to cling onto the ceiling. I really wouldn't... I'd, I'd just be rubbish at things like that. Uh, and Wendy says, I have a fear of uh, heights since going to Twickenham Stadio, s- Stadium to see the Rolling Stones. We had seats right up in the gods. I was so distressed, I asked a steward to be moved and we had to leave. He was very helpful. Luckily, there were two seats vacant near the stage. I didn't plan it, as, uh, as my thun- son thought. So I went to see the show and I haven't had a, a bad seat since. So that's the thing, isn't it? To say, you know, it's, you know I, I really need to be a little bit closer. Um... I love the idea of being scared of cotton wool. We had this last time. I didn't know why anybody would be scared of cotton wool, and apparently it's the feel of it. See, I like the feel of velvet. I love that. And corduroy. I like that. Steve says, Diana, I can't go in glass lifts. The one in the Bentall Centre gives me the collie wobbles. I used to have to wait downstairs for the kids while they went up on it. I can't even go Eel Pie Island Bridge without even getting cold, shaky and sweaty. Well, that's Eel Pie for you, <laughs> over at Twickenham. It is true. I mean, I haven't been in the lifts at the Bentall Centre. I'm not into glass lifts either. I'm really... Although lifts supposedly are very safe. Very, very safe. Although you never know, do you? You never know. Kev the Milkman. He says, uh, a message from Sam to everybody who's wished her luck. Especially all the crumblies. So she's home at rest and recuperation. She got out of the hospital and she's fine. So gentle hugs all round. When we say gentle hugs. Oh, no, it's also David's birthday uh, from Ty Nice. You know where they all the all the all the fans went the other week, and uh, and so Vid sent me a thing saying uh, it is David's birthday today. So please say or sing ha 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 happy birthday to David. It says we do miss you, Steve. I know you're always busy, 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 but I hope you will come and see us one day soon. I will actually, I will. And in fact, Noreen sends lots of uh, wishes as well to David from Ty Nice. So uh, a very happy birthday. She says keep up the Daphne impressions. It it, it am I fine? This was Daphne the other day on Eggheads, where she actually got an answer wrong, and it was between MI5 and MI6, and they went, I, I don't think it's MI6. Is it MI5? And, and they went, no, it's not. It's MI6. Oh, because she's a bit like that. She sounds a bit peculiar, Daphne, but she knows everything. Is, is, it, is it MI5? You know, it wasn't. It was MI6. I quite like doing that. Always, always makes me smile. Little things make me smile. You know, but they do at my age. Uh, so Noreen says something is happening. No, 
No milk today. Way. Uh, we're seeing Peter Noon again on Saturday. The show is brilliant. Brian Poole, Brian Highland and Chris Montez, all backed by Vanity Fair. <gasps> she loves these solid 60 shows. She really does. So, David from Ty Nice, have a very, 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 very happy birthday. That pleased me, that did. That was very nice, thank you. And uh, so what we'll do, we'll take, a, we'll take a short break. We will go through some more of the uh, the papers. And uh, the Express are talking about pensioners who are struggling because they've been betrayed. Whitney Houston as well. It was drowning in the bath, uh, but also triggered by cocaine. And that's what I said. I said at the time, even though people said, no, no, it was all right, it was OK. And, uh, and I said, no, listen, I think what happened was, I think she, she'd taken something and she fell asleep in the bath and drowned. And that's exactly uh, what had happened, which is, uh, which is a bit of a shame, really. They also say she had other drugs in her system, Benadryl, marijuana and something called Xanax. I've no idea what they are. Investigators previously said they found no evidence of illegal drugs. But, uh, but they've said that those drugs... Marijuana, Benadryl, Xanax and other medication were in the system, but they were not a factor. So it would have been the fact that, uh, that she had cocaine in the system. Uh, Wayne Rooney has broke a young fan's wrist when he smashed a shot into the crowd, but the nine-year-old went, I'm really pleased. I'm really pleased, he said. I got hit by Wayne Rooney. Lovely. Lovely. Actually, his hair transplant's taken on. Come on, a treat, that hair. So it's nearly as good as Jason Donovan's. Nearly as good as Jason Donovan's. It's LBC 97.3. Time now is uh, 5.30. Be text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, fears. Fears, phobias, heights... Bees, wasps, what's that? Spiders, mice, rats. What was the other one? What? Clown. Oh, clowns. Sorry, clowns. I can't work out clowns at all. I mean, I don't, as a kid, we quite like clowns coming round. But uh, there is an image of a clown. There is a scary clown, isn't there, in a film? Who I think it, it might have been the thing that puts people off. It's like scary films. I mean, I don't know why we watch scary films. Why would you watch a film that you know is going to scare you? When we went to see. Woman in Black. We went to a preview in a nice, uh, lovely little preview cinema. And I took the producer and she screamed all the way through. I mean, it was just embarrassing. Just embarrassing. Every time something happened, she sort of leapt off her seat. But I did say to Daniel Radcliffe, I did say, you know, I'm shouting at the screen, don't go in the house. It's not a nice house. And he said, you're right. Because it's, it's never as scary. He said when he was walking towards one of the doors which then mysteriously opens, he said the, uh, the, the director went to him, walk slower, walk slower. And, and you see, and you're in, if you're in a house, why is it that all of a sudden, there is, all of a sudden, you know, you, you've got lights on in the house, but they're fairly dim lights, and then they go out, and where do they go? To the cellar. And you know there's bad things in the cellar. There's always bad things in the Don't go to the cellar. But no, Daniel Radcliffe had to go to the cellar. And you'll have to see the film. Because it, it, it's frightening me even thinking about it. Morning, Dave. Morning, Treacle. All um, right, babe. My phobia is yeah. pigeons. Oh. Um, didn't like them when I was a kid. And it's gradually, as I've got older, it's gradually got worse. Mm. Um, I can't go anywhere near them. We was in Venice. Um, a few years ago, and you, we walked around the square during the day, um, and the place was full of pigeons, and people have got them on their head, and they're feeding them, and it's just absolutely 
filled me with horror. Oh, oh. To be quite honest. I hate it, the people who just... feed them. I hate them. We have an old woman who goes around Twickenham with a shopping trolley, and she empties a ton of bird seed. Well, there's, there's a gentleman does it in the old Kent Road by these big supermarket there, and you see the pigeons absolutely fly around in yeah. the air, and they wait for him. They can spot him a mile off. Yes, and for, for this old woman, she walks down, she throws all this bread over the place, and the rats eat it, because the That's pigeons right. have been fed so many times. I think I think he does it. He has it in a carrier bag, and he just yeah. uh, makes an hole in the bottom of the bag, and he walks along and just drops it. What's the matter with these people? Are they are they are they a bit sick or something? I mean, well, you know... they're they're flying rats. That's as far oh, as yes. I'm concerned. Filthy, they, disgusting more, things. There's more dirt and diseases that come off of them than anything. You well, know? they walk but through it's... filth, don't they? They walk. Yeah. Through... And then when we used yeah. to have them in Trafalgar Square, people stand there with and they've got pigeons all over their hands and on their. You think, oh God, yeah, you don't know what they walk through. It's gradually got worse for me as I've got older. Mm. My my two boys take the mickey out of me, something chronic, because I can't sit outside of a restaurant um, in the summertime if there's pigeons around. I have no. to sit inside. I can't just can't be anywhere near them. I hate them. I, hate I, them. I, I can't sit outside a restaurant. We did it the other year. We sat outside Pincho's in Church Street, and there was a wasp that was buzzing around. <laughs> <laughs> and that that's even worse, because if you're sitting in another table, you can't see it because it's too small. And this thing's trying to land on my salad. <laughs> and, and I don't like to brush it away, because I'm convinced that, that I've got a death wish. These things are going to kill me. Oh, I'm not too bad with them. I can I can sort of brush them away. And, oh, no. You know, flick them off somewhere else. But um, <laughs> pigeons, it just... It, it's, <laughs> it's, I've get, I'm getting worse as I'm getting older, you know. <laughs> I, I have been known to <laughs> kick pigeons. Well, I do head for them in the car. When I'm in the van, if yeah. I'm driving along, I will head for them. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is, you think you've gone over them, then you look in the mirror, and there they are still pecking away in the road. I know, and they sort of look back at you and yeah. wave. You yes, know? they wave. Uh, yeah, it didn't get me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's true, actually. I mean, you don't see many squashed pigeons in Trafalgar Square. Well, that's, that's the only thing I can put my hands up for Ken Livingston. He was the one that, that did try and get rid of them quite yes. a bit. And, well, and yet still they're that, fed... If you see that man turn up with that eagle or the, the big oh, yes, bird that he yes. comes in with, that's, that's something to see because yeah, we'll they all that. disappear when he comes in. Yeah. Yes, I, I, I was yeah. down in Trafalgar Square, uh, Square a short while ago with a friend in the morning and uh, we were watching the bloke with the, with the eagle. Yeah. Good, isn't it? I love watching see. it fly. Yeah. It's great. It's great to watch yeah, fly. Yeah, it's, 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 I mean, that, that I don't mind, but pigeons, no, no way. Yeah. No way. Oh, Interesting. Right. Interesting. Dave, thank you for that. There is a full list of candidates for the mayoral election on the LBC website, incidentally, so you can cook with pigeon-based policies, some of them. I don't know. Actually, the trouble is, I mean, we have... They, they cost a fortune. Even buildings like ours, we've got all the metal things up to deter pigeons from landing anywhere because the mess that they create on the buildings, it's just filth. Just filth. You get a few people like them, but they're not generally all there in the head, are they? They're thinking of renaming Big Ben... Just in case you were thinking it was more on the Tulisa tape, uh, it's not. <laughs> it's a clock. Well, actually, it's not. It's the bell, is Big Ben. And they're thinking of naming it uh, after the Queen. They're going to call Big Ben the Elizabeth Tower after the Queen. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know why. I mean, it, it's not April for No, I mean, it's, it's strange. Apparently, senior MPs are backing the drive to change the name of the world's famous London landmark in London to honour Her Majesty's Diamond Jubilee. So, the, 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 it was originally called the King's Tower, Parliament's other tower, but that became Victoria Tower in, uh, in 1860. This is the idea of Tory MP Tobias Elwood to show the nation's thanks for the Queen's 60 years of service. She doesn't, she doesn't want a bell named after her. 
They do come up with some stupid ideas, MPs, don't they? I mean, to be honest with you, he, he says here, he must be new, I can't think of a greater tribute for Parliament to bestow than to rename such an iconic landmark as the Clock Tower. Many people will continue to call it Big Ben, but it would be appropriate to change the official name. Oh, don't be so stupid. Don't be so silly. It's Big Ben. It's always been Big Ben. Jack Straw says it's a very fitting tribute to our monarch. Oh, goodness sake. It's Big Ben. It's always been Big Ben. Is it, we don't want it to be Big Liz, do we? You know, Big Brenda. You know, it just, it's ridiculous. It's Big Ben and it will forever remain. I think some MPs do that just to get their names in the papers. Let's call she... I mean, why can't she have something else? Why can't she have a riverboat? She's got loads of things named after her. Loads of things. She don't want Big Ben. Why don't they rename the Houses of Parliament then? The Houses of the Queen or something like that. Seeing as it was, it was all based on where the Palace of Westminster was. It is part of the Palace of Westminster. So why don't we, we go back to calling it that? Suppose the House of Parliament, or as I prefer to call it, a bunch of drunken old reprobates, ladies and gentlemen, that sort of prop up the riverside territory. Have a, a little snifter here. You know. Actually, that, was, that could have been one of the prizes. Because next week, we're doing Help a London Child on LBC. And I can only tell you that there are some fantastic prizes to bid for. Um, I don't think... I'm not sure if I'm allowed to tell you what the prizes are just yet, but one of them involves me. Okay, one involved me last year. I think one last year was was James Whale going off for a curry. That was quite sweet. Uh, but we, we got the most. Uh, I went. I was bid for for uh, for Claridge's. We went for we went for afternoon tea at Claridge's. And we had a great time. It was really lovely. So we're going to be doing it again to raise money for children with with cancer. We're going to do it next week. And there's going to be tons of stuff. There's some really, really... And I, I even I was amazed. They ran through the list of uh, things that you can bid on yesterday in the office. And I went, cool, crikey, there's some really good stuff on there. Really good stuff. But one does involve me. And it's somewhat unusual. That's all I'll tell you. It's a somewhat unusual prize. And it's bungee jumping with Steve. We're going to take you up to the top of Big Ben or Big Liz. And we're going to throw ourselves off there with little parachutes. Not. <laughs> Even thinking about it makes me, feel, makes me feel quite ill, I'm afraid. Um, it says, uh, you want to drive a train? Well, you can. Come up to North Norfolk. Nor- North Norfolk. The best place on earth and have a go. Do you know, Norfolk's very cheap property, I've discovered. Compared to London... It's really cheap property. Very, very cheap property. Uh, John is in Bangkok. It's 38 degrees. And he says, I was back in the UK and in Salisbury visiting my family. And at Salisbury Market on a Tuesday, there's a Pelham puppet stall. Many original for sale. Really? Oh, I shall have to, I shall have to contact uh, Richard E. Grant and tell him. He loves Pelham puppets. He absolutely loves them. Um, <laughs> uh, another one here. What was somebody they had a fear of? What was somebody had? That's right. Dan's got a fear of work. <laughs> I think a lot of people have got that. I've, 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 the only thing I've got, I think it would be, it would be heights. Running. I've got a fear of running. Being around fit people, that's a fear. I don't, I don't like standing. Well, actually, I do like standing next to fit people, because I think that makes me look, it makes th- them look better and me feel worse, but at least they're standing next to me, so I've, I'm fairly grateful for that. So anybody who's slim, I've, I've got a fear of slim people. Not thin people, slim people. You know, people who look like they're, they're fit and, I'm, and also, I've got a thing about long hair. I love long hair. Always wanted to grow really long hair. And when I was at school, and when I left school, I was able to grow long hair, and it was down to my shoulders. I loved it. I loved long hair. Now, I'm, I still love long hair, but I haven't got long hair. But I'm looking at Jason Donovan's hair transplant, and I'm thinking, that looks so good. And Wayne Rooney's has grown a treat. Admittedly, 30,000 quid. But blooming worked. Blooming worked. It, it, is it MI5? 
No, it's MI6, dear. Uh, Paul's to God knows how many years on the radio. It'd be so good if it finally got a regular slot on the box. I haven't seen this uh, documentary of famous TV conversations. It's called Talk at the... It was the first of three. David Niven with Parkey, Gilbert Harding, Betty Davis to name but three. Uh, Betty Davis I've had a look at on YouTube. And uh, very, very interesting. Very interesting. And on Russell Harty's documentary the other night, Madge Hindle, who was Rini Roberts in Coronation Street, and Nellie Pledge's sister-in-law, who was married to Walter in Nearest and Dearest. She reminded us all that though the news of the world is missed... It did ruin the careers of so many people in a bygone time when there was nothing much by way of tolerance. Bestest wishes to David at Tynice and morning to the Crumblies. Yes, the news of the world stitched up uh, Russell Harty. They found uh, a rent boy and, uh, and they sent him up to Russell Harty's house and he was mic'd up. And they tried to get the, uh, the story that way. He was all mic'd up. And then they printed the story. It was, it was, just, uh, it was just shameful, disgusting journalism. And uh, nowadays, probably wouldn't, have, uh, probably wouldn't have got through, I shouldn't imagine. Uh, 84850. I uh, heard the free podcast, says uh, Joanne, on March the 16th. Paul, remember Paul, who was in Lower Sunbury? And he had a couple of glasses of wine. But you were right, as always, it did react with the drugs that he was on, and he died from a heart attack in the end. Uh, he was on Tramadol. Paul, Paul came along to see the show. He wasn't very old at all. I can't remember how old he was, uh, Joanne. He wasn't, he wasn't that old. And he came to the show when we were at The Mermaid, and uh, he got through the first half. I wasn't on the first half. And just to get the... Uh, just to go into the second half, and, uh, and unfortunately he'd had a few drinks, and that had reacted with the drugs he was on uh, for his condition... And uh, he uh, he sent me an email from the hospital. But sadly, died the following day. He had a heart attack. It's it was just dreadful. And we did get the cards. I did mention uh, the cards. We got the um, the little gift cards. Thank you very much indeed. Keeping up a tradition, I've noticed here. Keeping up, a, we like a, a tradition. Uh, Kim says, "Happy belated birthday." I've got a fear of going outside, also known as agoraphobia. As soon as I get near a doorway, I start perspiring. My heart beats fast. I feel faint, and I start panicking. I just can't do it. No such word as can't. Might be a bit more difficult than other people, but you can always do so. Put your mind to it. You can do just about anything. You really can. It just takes a bit of time with something like that. Quarter to six. We were talking the other day about uh, about what constitutes a chip. And <laughs> which is, I don't know how we got round to talk about chips. Anyway, we were talking about chips on the programme. And I said that in McDonald's, they don't serve chips. They serve fries. They're not allowed to call them chips, because they're not chips. Chips should be solid sticks of fresh potato, deep-fried. Frozen chips can be called chips if they only contain potato, even though they're often reconstituted from dried potato and formed into chip shapes with lots of added air. McDonald's fries follow that method, but are a mix of potato and corn flour, which guarantees that they serve crisp, but they can't be called chips for that reason. Thank you, John, very much indeed. So now we know. Because they're not chips, because they're a mixture, and that's why they're, they're crispy. Chips are those things you get in fish and chip shops. You never go into a fish and chip shop and get fries, do you? You get chips. Although if you go and get a kebab, they serve you fries. But they call them chips, but they're not. They're fries. And, and they are quite nice with a kebab. Sometimes you can wrap the meat round the chip and eat the two together. And that, that's particularly... Particularly fattening. And, uh, and it's quite delicious, actually. I could eat it quite now. He says, I was amused by your headline of Turkey to win Eurovision. Of course, the UK entry is a turkey, but I don't think it will win. Very cruel. 
No, I mean it's it's not the most exciting song, is it? We're, we're, we're trying to we're trying to boost up a bit of enthusiasm, but it's it's not happening at the moment. Nick Ferrari is with you after the news at seven this morning. The government, as you know, have unveiled their alcohol strategy, and you can see and hear this morning how you'll be affected. Former advisor to the Archbishop, we're telling Nick why religious education mustn't be sidelined. Oh, I hated religious education at school. We did it. And I did, I did learn lots of stories, you know, Joseph going to Arimathea and places like that and get set. We learned all sorts of things about the Bible, but uh, it was just one of the most... Bo- we had a dreadful man, Mr Capernes. Mr. Capone, who I think came from Belgium or something, anyway. And he used to teach us about religious instruction, religious R.I. it was in our day. Uh, And also the five police officers who ended up in hospital after being attacked by a dog. Nick will be asking what needs to change. These stupid people with these dogs, I'm afraid. These stupid people with these dogs, it's just ridiculous. I mean, I don't mind somebody having a dog, but there's no such thing as a bad dog. There's bad owners, and you see them, the dog's pulling on the lead. It's because they've not been trained. Full day's uh, review of the newspaper as well. David Wooding, former political editor at the News of the World, will be going through the papers today. How he'll be weaving in to Lisa, I can't imagine. I shall wait and listen to that one with great interest, because uh, she spoke of her heartbreak yesterday. It's all a bit tragic for the poor soul. You know, don't know how we've coped at all. This is to Lisa, who, you know, tough as old boots. And then the moment something like this happens, ooh, it's all dreadful. Well, you know, it was... You knew you were being filmed, because we can see it on the, the footage... And uh, it's a six-minute film. It was put on a website to download at £3.90 a time. People were paying £3.90 to download this thing. Why? I can't imagine. But they did. And uh, she says, I practically moved in with him. I loved him deeply. Had a lot of respect for him. Yeah, and he filmed you. You know, if you don't want to be filmed, or you don't want something like that to emerge years later, if you're daft enough to think that these, these relationships go forever, well, don't. I mean, I'm sure that there has been a time, even probably, you know, with some of the people here that I'm working with, that somebody has taken a photograph of them, you know, and sort of kept it on their mobile phone or in their wallet or something like that, and they dig it up, you know, when they want to have a good laugh. You know, and you show it to somebody and go, guess who that is? And they go, I've got no idea, and then you tell them. Oh, constantly all the time. But, of course, you expect it in this day and age because it's probably worth money. I should imagine. Somebody would, would pay for that. There was the famous Pamela Anderson sex video some years ago. Jordan. I mean, all of them actually didn't do any of these people any favours. It just make them look look a little bit sad, really, because of sex appeal. But, you know, and so just, you know, I mean, to be honest with you, we can all writhe about on a bed, can't we, and go, oh, you know. And, and at the end of the day, if you're not much cop, you're not much cop. And so here is Talisa. My ex-lover filmed me for tawdry video. Well, the trouble is, it didn't look like it was tawdry when you were when you were being filmed. You know, why don't you say, why don't you turn that phone off, or whatever it was filmed on? It's ridiculous. Last night, Simon Cowell has given his full support. Uh, they said, would it hinder her chance of reappearing as an ex-actor judge? She said, absolutely not, no. He said, what she was doing was not illegal. She just didn't want the tape to come out. Because it's not illegal. You can film somebody. You know, if I could, you know, persuade, you know, the guys here next door to make a little filming. You know, if, you know, if, if, if people agree to do something, and she didn't look like she wasn't agreeing to do it, it's no good droning. Sorry? OK, fine. <laughs> but, it, I mean, why moan about it afterwards? It's, it's just ridiculous. And also, it's made her a bit famous. It's made her a bit famous because you're, you're nobody now unless you've, unless you've got one of these videos. <laughs> ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. Will Big Ben ever be renamed after the Queen? I do hope not. I re- think it's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Listen, we're doing loads of stuff for the Queen. Loads of stuff. You don't want to rename Big Ben. 
They want to call it the Elizabeth Tower. Well, let's not. OK? Let's not. It's just ridiculous. I mean, it is just ridiculous. The West Tower of the Palace was originally called the King's Tower, and now it's renamed the Victoria Tower to commemorate her long reign. Listen, the Queen's had everything. I mean, you know, perhaps we could name a train. or oh, she's had trains named after her, hasn't she? I mean, I can think of other ways of honouring the Queen, as opposed to renaming Big Ben and calling it the Elizabeth Tower. I mean, it just doesn't mean anything. It's just, it's just ridiculous. It's silly, silly, silly. But as usual, MPs, they don't have an awful lot to do. They sit there twiddling their thumbs, thinking, right, what thing can we do to get ourselves in the paper? I know, we'll rename Big Ben. We'll call it the Elizabeth Tower. God. I feel sorry for for Michael Shepard. Michael Shepard worked for National Express. And he was sitting there on an empty bus. He was parked up. There were no passengers on board. And he popped a grape in his mouth. And somebody saw him. And he was reported, and they fired him for eating a grape. Eating a grape. He had a heart bypass last year, and he said his medication leaves him feeling thirsty. Well, not quite buying that one, Michael. You know, I had, uh, I had a heart operation a few years ago. It didn't leave me feeling thirsty. You know, because you feel thirsty, you take some water. A grape's not going to do you much good, I'm afraid. You know, I don't think that's the, that's the best argument. But anyway... It says, rather than getting off the bus, I stayed in the cabin. I explained why I needed to have a sip of water or a grape every hour or so, but they said it was still against health and safety rules. And, um, and so they fired him. He was dismissed this week. And he said, who's going to employ an old man? He's 66. Who's going to employ an old man like me? I mean, the, uh, the people there says, um, you know, I mean, he's, he's, he's going to appeal. And to be honest with you, I think he's probably, I mean, one grape. But the trouble is, if a company have got a rule, and the rule is that, you know, you shouldn't be eating one grape, though. I mean, it does seem a bit stupid, doesn't it? But um, a spokesman of the company said the driver in question hasn't exhausted the disciplinary process that we have as a company, and as a result, we can't make any public comment. However, we do hold ourselves to high standards of safety and customer care. Now, you remember, of course, there was that coach that crashed in Switzerland, but that was full of school children, and the driver, apparently, was changing a DVD. Now, we've all... I, I, I defy anybody to sit there and tell me that they've never, ever taken one hand off the wheel as they've been driving. You've either, if you smoke, you've got your, your hand with your cigarette in, either right or left-handed, and so you'll be changing the channel on the radio, turning the volume up or down, sometimes turning round to see what the kids are doing in the back of the car. Everybody does it. But this bloke was parked up. There was nobody on the coach. There were no passengers there. He wasn't driving down a motorway. In which case, if he'd been driving down a motorway... And, and he was eating grapes from a packet, then you'd have an issue. But he wasn't. He wasn't endangering anybody's life. So he, he's, I think he needs to sort of push it through. Because he's right at 66, but you can't start coming up with excuses like, you know, I told them because of heart... So, I mean, I'd be a little bit worried that there was somebody driving a coach who had had heart surgery, to be honest with you. You know, that would frighten me more than anything else. Not the fact he was eating a grape. But uh, I think they'll probably reinstate him. So, uh, like to your thoughts on that. If you've been on coach travel, I mean, just you sometimes look at these drivers. What did I see the other day? Oh, that's right. There was a driver driving a bus in London. Not not out where I am, because they're all very good out there, as Ivor and uh, and Peter will tell you. But uh, he was driving a bus. Was it, where was he? It was somewhere in London. And he's on his phone. He's on his phone driving the bus. And it went past me. And I remember thinking, that driver's on the phone. And the other thing that I get really annoyed at is drivers who are driving and they've got somebody standing there talking to them. There used to be a bus driver in Richmond and his, his, his girlfriend was Polish. And she would stand there at the front of the bus talking to him. 
And there's a big sign that says, do not talk to people. And I, I said to one of the inspectors once, I said, you know, we've spent the whole of this journey with her distracting him, talking to him. I think they had a word. I think they had a word. Anyway, the problems were just beginning for the bus drivers. One minute they were 12 bus drivers working all hours, now they're lottery millionaires. And the problems, says Natalie Clark, are just beginning. Well, they've got just the right amount of money. 3.1 million is exactly the right amount of, of money. Most of them were earning about 17 grand a year. So if you work on that assumption, they're very rich, they can afford to buy houses and not work again. And most of them, I don't think, uh, will be working again. You see, I would want to... You've got to do something. Even if you win money. The producer said to me this morning, he said, if, if you won money, would you retire? So it would have to be the right amount of money. You know, you're not going to retire on sort of 30 grand or something like that. You're going to have to retire on, you know, 10 million. You know, if you had 10 million pounds, well, then you would. But you would... I wouldn't just walk out. That would be just rude. You just wouldn't do that. Heavens above, you've got loyalty to people. They didn't quite clearly have any loyalty to the company, so they just sort of went, we're all leaving. So, so there you go. But uh, the, uh, the, uh, the realisation will sink in. Will they give any money to that woman? One of the drivers has said, well, if we do, we'll do it privately. Haven't you just got that sneaking feeling that she's going to be all bitter and twisted about the whole thing and, uh, and she's not, she's not going to get a penny piece? And there's a poor mother of two here who has got permanent seasickness. Permanent sick. Now I used to. I get car sickness, and um, and I'm all right driving a car. I can drive a car for days, months, years, weeks on end. But if I'm a passenger, I'm terrible. I have to take travel sickness pills because I, I just get sick. And if somebody says to me, "Can you map read?" I know we've all got Tom Tom and sat navs and everything now. But if somebody said to me years ago, "Can you map read?" I'd have to make excuses and go, "Haven't got my glasses" or something like that. But this poor woman here. She said, my marriage is ruined because it's an illness with no cure. News at six is next with Sam. LBC 97.3. Call 0845 6060973. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning. Everybody's tired today. Everybody I speak to is tired. I just I was speaking to, to Sam Pitters a minute ago. And last weekend he went out, he didn't get back till seven o'clock in the morning. Seven o'clock and he's triple booked himself tonight. Triple book I mean lucky to have triple bookings. You know, on a Friday night. But he said, if you work during the week, it's very difficult. People do cram... So I, I can understand how people cram everything in at the weekend. I mean, because I've got loads of things to do today. But this afternoon, I'm having... Or this morning, I'm having a bit of a lazy sort of morning. I'm not doing anything in particular. You know, I've got, I've got lunch a little bit later on. And, uh, and I might go to a garden centre. I might just put some other, other new shoes on and just go for a walk about. But uh, if it's going to be a nice day today, which it is... I'm determined to enjoy it. I might actually get out there and uh, get a bit of the old suntan lotion on the old body. You know, things quite nice. Not that I think there's that much suntan lotion available in Twickenham to cover my body. 20 degrees. It's gone up a little bit now. We said earlier on it'll probably be about uh, 18, 19. 20 degrees. Slightly warmer than yesterday. At the moment, it's 7. It's a bit cloudy with some fog to start. But at least you've got that thought, ladies and gentlemen, that it is Friday. And I, I don't want to push too much because I want to try and save it as a bit of a surprise for next week when we're going to be doing Help a London Child. And if uh, yesterday they were going through the list of all the things that you can bid for. Do you remember last year we had people bidding for things and different presenters have got different things on their programme and I've got something on my programme which I think will probably run all week and then we finish it on Friday. And it's certainly unusual. <laughs> we've, we've not done this... Oh, I knew there was something I'd forgotten to bring in today. 
Blast. I shall have to bring it in on Monday. Um, I shall bring it in on Monday, because there's something I forgot to bring in today. One of the, um, heads will roll over this one. Probably have to drag it all in tomorrow. But um, it's it's something that's that's unusual. In fact, most of the things are unusual on there. I, I don't even want to give anything away. But there'll be a way... If you don't want to bid for any of the items, there'll be a way that you can text and do a donation to children with, with cancer. And Nick will launch it on Monday... And then they'll run through some of the prizes and they'll be listed on the LBC website. I think mine comes with a photo. Woo! How cool is that? But uh, details over the weekend on uh, LBC. And then on Monday, we will officially launch it. OK? Seven minutes, uh, eight minutes past uh, six this morning. So if you're feeling somewhat tired at the moment, then uh, we'll, we'll try and perk you up. I mean, the thing to do is have a shower. You could all nip round here and use our shower which is very, very nice indeed. Not that I think it's a shower for two people anymore. 39, says Joanne, Paul was when he died. Of course, got to keep up the tradition of sending gifts in. He always mentioned he sent gifts in. He always sent in little cards, little cards. 39, it's nothing, is it? Absolutely nothing at all in this day and age. But, uh, but good, good memories, very good memories. Uh, John in Malaga says, I wonder, do the MPs sit on opposite tables in the bar at the House of Commons? No, they don't. It's all done as an act. They all get on with it. Everybody gets on with each other. They really do. Steve, Victoria Tower is, in fact, at the opposite end of the palace to the clock tower. It's taller than the clock tower and houses important documents. Yes, I, I knew it was at the opposite end. I knew it was at the opposite end of it. But I don't think... We, we don't want to rename, do we, Big Ben? I mean, the Elizabeth Tower. But then that means, says uh, Ken, that both towers at the House of Parliament will be named after the two monarchs who achieved their diamond jubilee on the throne. Oh, why can't they just leave things alone? I hate it when they start messing things around. Uh, John says, if they change the name of Big Ben in years to come, it'll be known as Big Lizzie. But it's only the bell, isn't it? It's only the bell, ladies and gentlemen. We don't worry about that. Doris in Dorking says, I get seasick standing in a puddle. Do you know, I, I got seasick once. We went on a, on a boat, ship, liner, whatever you call them now. And, um, and I did take um, travel sickness pills. Because it's, there's nothing worse if you're feeling seasick than going on a ship. Because once, even though they've got stabilisers on, and apparently it's to- there's no cure for seasickness. This woman's had it for years. And um, she's, it's, it's ruined her marriage. She's absolutely devastated that she's had it for something like four years. Four years of sort of trying desperately to sort of get rid of it, but she can't. It was ever since she went on a ship. See, we went on a ship, and I, I, I took my, uh, my travel sickness pills, and I was OK. But next door, Chris and Sharon were in their cabin with, with the kids. Once one got sick, they all got sick. Because the boats do move. I don't care what all the ships... Whatever, whatever anybody tells you, they do. Uh, we were talking as well about your, uh, your fears. Heights. Pigeons. Came into it again, I'm afraid. Pigeons. And, um... See, phobias and trains. When I was a girl and I was on a train, I was scared of bridges. Because I feared the bridge will collapse when the train went over it. And I couldn't swim, which is why I was scared. I get scared when I go under motorway bridges. I've just realised it's another fear. It's not a phobia. It's a fear of going under a motorway bridge. Because you see these... If I see people standing on it, I get even more panicky. Because we've seen terrible stories of children who have dropped things from, from motorway bridges onto cars below. And people have lost their lives. And that, that frightens me. That frightens me a lot. So I, I do look up, I'm afraid. Uh, Steve, I was at Wimbledon Station the other week. And there was a steam train with Pullman carriages. Does anybody know why it was there? Uh, the lines were there? I don't know. It's not the uh, Orient Express. That's steam, isn't it? Was that going through? If it's got Pullman carriages? Might have been going through. I don't know. 
Somebody would have to tell me. Uh, Big Ben is the name of the bell, not the tower. Why would the Queen want to be named after a bell? I don't know. Victoria Tower is the one at the House of Lords, the end of the palace. Big Ben is in St Stephen's Tower, I think, Steve. I'm petrified of lifts. Lifts. And heights, my downfall, says Lynn. My younger sister's house hasn't got any banisters. They did one of these makeovers the other day. It was uh, called Grand Designs. And I love these programs. Honestly, one of them was brilliant. It was a, a ruined castle. And when I say ruined, it had no roof, had no interior, had no floor, had nothing. And when this, this couple finished it, they'd spent £750,000. It was knockout. It was absolutely beautiful. I mean, it, it, was, it was just oh, jaw-droppingly fantastic. But they did another couple, and they had a staircase which was open. They'd slotted it into the wall. There was no banisters. And I thought, I wouldn't be very good at walking up. I'd be frightened. I'd slip. I've got this fear, I'm just sure I've got another fear, I've got loads of fears now, of going upstairs in my socks and slipping on a polished wooden um, tread. That's the only thing that worries me. Uh, Steve, I am petrified of, uh, of lifts. I've got to go to Guy's Hospital and up 21 floors, takes all my energy to get in. Yes, I th- we, we, it's like people climbing on the London Eye, isn't it? People going on the London Eye, and they sort of they, they sort of get on it, and you think, oh, no, I went on it. It's ever so high. It's ever so high, and it moves. It, sort of, it goes round. <laughs> it's quite frightening. Quite frightening, all these things. Are. But you, you, you try and be big, don't you? You try and be big and brave and, uh, and not sort of worry about it. Uh, Phil says, I thought the Big Ben Bell was in St Stephen's Tower. Victoria Tower is at the other end of Parliament. Yes, you're right. You're absolutely right there. Absolutely right. Let's quickly have a look at the uh, Express this morning. A revolutionary drug, they say, that costs less than a pound a day uh, and can slow the destruction caused by painful joint disease is set to transform the lives of millions. The powerful treatment is already licensed and being widely used to treat the brittle bone disease, osteoporosis. So that's good. If it comes in cheap, that's what we like. We like cheap nowadays because otherwise it's just impossible for people because sometimes it becomes this this postcode lottery doesn't it and uh, and they go well we're not we're not going to give you that one because it costs too much money we've had people not getting cancer drugs but this uh, this arthritis drug i mean osteoporosis i didn't realize eight and a half million people are affected by osteoporosis a friend of mine has got this is it rain's disease reynard's disease where his hands get really cold Really, really cold, really freezing cold. And my hands are like that. Not all the time, but I've got terrible circulation. But I think that's, that's partly due to the diabetes. And they sort of, every so often, they sort of test your feet. They stick pins in your feet just to make sure the, the blood's circulating down there. But I get the most dreadful circulation, especially in winter. You know, if you're trying to do a blood sample in winter, you sit there for ages trying to sort of drum up some interest in your fingers so at least you produce a little speck of blood. Alan... We all decided this morning we're all big and brave when it comes to talking about bungee jumping, but not one of us could actually. To the top of one of these, Bill, going to jump off with a piece of elastic between your legs. You're not going to do it, are you? It's, it's, it's a bit frightening. It's like years ago when I used to play rugby. <laughs> yeah, I know. I thought the same. And, uh, and I used to hate being chased down the pitch. I mean, I'd just scare me, and it to come up behind me and go, we're going to get you. I'd run like heck. There's also the crackdown on the cheating. Now, to be honest with you, I don't know anybody who binge drinks. I do know, because I've been in the supermarkets and I've seen the adverts and they say, you know, buy this case and get this one free or six, six cans or eight cans for a fiver or something else. And they're going to stop that. They're actually going to stop all these special offers on booze. It's not going to stop people buying it. They're just going to do the booze cruises. They're going to go abroad, they're going to buy the cans of lager and bring it back here. I mean, it, it isn't... To be honest with you, it accounts, I think, they've said, about half the boozing in this country... 
And unfortunately, as you know, being a Friday night, around here, around the Leicester Square area, in fact, around every town centre in the country, the Friday night, you know, beating up and bashings and all the rest of it, are fuelled, unfortunately, by booze. Clubs offer cheap booze. Clubs offer all sorts of deals to get people in. People go to the off-licences, they buy... I've seen it all over the place. You see little girls sitting there, they bought a little bottle of vodka, they buy a can of Coke or a bottle of Coke, and they pour the vodka in there, and so they walk around, it looks like they've got a bottle of Coke, but they've got booze in there. And that's why, you know, a lot of pubs are now watching people coming in, because uh, people go out to the pubs, but they've already drank at home. And that's the big problem. So when they go into the pubs, because they don't want to spend the money on the booze, you know, they, they've sat there. That was why one of those pubs in The Only Way is Essex decided they didn't want anybody in anymore, because they said the people that The Only Way is Essex crowd were attracting were people who didn't have any money. They just wanted to turn up, looking a little bit like the last turkey in the shop, and uh, and they'd already drunk all their booze at home, so they would sit there nursing one one sort of drink, which wasn't really much use for publicans nowadays, because that's how they make all their... All their money. Uh, so they'll be talking about that a little bit later. I think Nick will be talking about that this morning. But the other good news is, and I've, I've tried this before, and I think it's brilliant. In fact, I'm going to go and get some more this weekend. Beetroot juice. And you can buy it. I think Waitrose do it. You'll probably find a lot of the health food shops, in inverted commas, do it. And uh, it's, it's absolutely excellent. They say it could beat high blood pressure. And it, it depends if you like beetroot. If, if you don't like beetroot, you're probably not going to like the beetroot juice, because that's all it is. It is just juice. There's nothing in it. There's nothing added. It isn't like one of these smoothies where they say, oh, it's just bananas and strawberries, and then you check and it's got orange juice and it's got this and that in it. The, the beetroot juice has just got it in there. And it's really delicious. If you have it chilled from the fridge, it's wonderful. And they say it's, I mean, it's, it's very drinkable. It's very, very drinkable. And I went through a phase, because I can't remember how, but somebody had said to me, drink beetroot juice and it'll be very good for you. It's especially... For those at risk of cardiovascular disease, anything like that. So, I mean, I, I don't normally pick up on things and say, listen, it's, I remember after I had my heart surgery, the surgeon said, you know, you should drink green tea. Well, I tried green tea and it was horrible. I couldn't get into it at all. People say, oh, you're obviously drinking the wrong one because I can't drink tea without, without milk. And green tea you drink. It's like all these specialist teas. You'd be amazed how many people in this building at LBC drink specialist teas. They've got drawers full of black currant and rhubarb and this. It's just poncy teas. That's all. I don't think it does any good to you whatsoever. But beetroot juice is just the juice. It's just crushed beetroots and you just drink the juice and it's really good. So by the same token, I suppose beetroot must be good for you. And I like beet. It's just don't drop it on yourself because you never get rid of the stain. But I love beetroot. I might even have it this morning, actually. Beetroot and prawn cocktail. Chopped beetroot with a prawn cocktail is delicious. I mean, it is, it is absolutely fantastic. It's one of those things that you can have, and you feel better after it. Uh, Julie says, uh, don't like going up and down metal stairs with the, uh, with the gaps. Don't like the way they wobble. Yes, yeah. Uh, my, my was noises. People have got a fear of noises. My noise, as I told you before, was uh, a, a metal shovel on a stone floor. That noise haunts me for the rest of my days. A metal shovel on a stone floor. Try it yourself if you've got an outhouse. And uh, it, it's terribly. Uh, Alan says, I'm fed up with people who live in London constantly moaning about their heavily subsidised fares. I live in Ripoff Elmbridge, where if you travel from Walton-on-Thames to London off-peak, there's a two-tier off-peak fare system in place. One at 09.30 and then a cheaper one at 11, all to reduce overcrowding on the trains into London, which has the effective, effectively pushed up the cost of the fares. 
Yeah, cause that, because if you start work in the morning at nine o'clock or something like that, you can't wait till 11 o'clock to get the cheap fare. He says there is a way of reducing the cost of the off-peak fare at 0930. Buy a return fare to Surbiton, then go to the ticket office there and buy an off-peak travel card. This then nearly works out as cheap as buying a super off-peak fare at 11 o'clock. As for the bus service locally, could you please ask the mayor why Section 141 of the GLA Act 1999 does not apply to our cross-boundary bus services? Because six out of the eight cross-boundary bus services, London into Surrey, not operated by TfL, occur. And the fare between Hersham and Kingston costs £6.90 return. Alan's now got that off his chest and feels a lot better about life. It is terrible. The anomalies I never understand. I really don't. I mean, a friend of mine is coming up tomorrow from Brighton, and we're, we're going to do this, you know, we can do the riverboat trip, we can do all the, all the rest of it. And she's got to find the right time, because if you book this thing in advance, it becomes cheap. I mean, the, 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 the fare, you know, actually is, is sort of workable, um, which, is, which is good. But you have to think about it, because otherwise you get to the station. It's like buying the shoes, you know, you buy them and you don't check. That, that's your own fault. But... You have to, you know, it's, you just have to be, be careful, I suppose. Uh, Steve, uh, I have a phobia of looking through things that magnify items. I cannot bear to look through a telescope or binoculars. I was traumatised by seeing a butterfly some years ago. I, I, I tell you what, I was scared by bed bugs. You know when they do a picture of these things that apparently live in your bed and they look like they're going to eat your hole? And, and they apparently live on dead flesh because when you sleep, apparently, you shed skin... And they live on this, and they've done magnified pictures of these things that live in your mattress. That's why they say, every six weeks, turn your mattress. Well, I don't know if you've got the strength of Job trying to turn a mattress, because I've got one of these heavy-density mattresses, and it weighs a tonne! Weighs a tonne! It came in all compressed, it was bad enough getting it in. So then we, you sort of you unpack it on the bed, and then you go, and this thing sort of takes off. You know, it's like the kind of thing they, they, they carry on aircraft. But it's, uh, it's, it's really good, but you absolutely have to turn your mattress every so often because apparently it's better for you because you sweat and you shed skin and then they do these close-up pictures of these ghastly creatures which live on these things not in my bed steve says phil if ever you wanted to use the lbc lbc shower you will have to bring your uh, shower chair to work with you yes yes absolutely don't forget you've only got this weekend to go and see that magician whose name I've completely forgotten now, down at the uh, the theatre, down at the Peacock. Go and see him. He's absolutely fantastic. Doing the Houdini experience. It's it's absolutely the best thing you'll ever see. And he, he probably won't come back again. It's a show that he did in uh, Las Vegas. It's, it's really very, very good. Very, 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 very good. So go and see him. Love beetroot, says Sue. Trouble is a bit of a shock when you go to the loo. Yes, yes, we, we've all had that experience, haven't we? I think we've been. But beetroot is so good for you. Steve, I expect the MPs will now pay the full price for their booze now to set a good example. Not, says Tessa. Uh, I earn just over £100,000 a year, says David, and I find it absurd that I automatically um, don't get my tax-free allowance. I'd be better off taking a pay cut so my income is under the £100,000 limit. The government should have made the tax-free allowance applicable to all taxpayers rather than taking the tax rate from 50 to 45%. And uh, Busa is the... <coughs> excuse me, Karate Centre. Another outfit. And uh, for osteoporosis, you could take a drug, Steve, for the rest of your life, or you could go to the gym a couple of times and eat more vegetables. Well, I like to eat healthy. I like to think, you know, that I'm eating healthy and I'm looking after my body, you know, and um, I, I, I mean, I wish it was in better condition. 
Because, to be honest with you, I think I'm surrounded by so many young people. I mean, there's only me and poor old Susan Bookbinder in here who are over the age of 40. And it's... Sorry, 50. And, um... No, I'm being, I'm being unkind. It's not true, is it, really? How old are My you? My lawyers are listening. Oh, you see, she can afford lawyers, ladies and gentlemen. How, <laughs> how rich is that? How rich is that? But it's true, though. I mean, there's so many young people in here, and they're all slim and thin and things like that. And, some, and we're be, among them. And we're among them. I know. It's not rubbing off, though, is it? Not kind of, well, it's not working for me. I mean, for you, it's all right. You don't worry about things. She cooks. She cooks. She does cooking, ladies and gentlemen. But anyway, she'll be with you just after the news at uh, 6.30. So don't forget, next week, big, big week for LBC with the help of London Child. Big, big week. And uh, lots of lots of really super prizes coming up. Things that you can bid for. Um, and uh, in the auction, I mean, some really cracking prizes. I've got one which will run all week, which I'll tell you about uh, probably over the weekend. And don't forget... It's going to be uh, Dexter Fletcher and, uh, and Mr Armstrong, Alexander Armstrong, and my guests on In Conversation. And, of course, it's a repeat of me from last week. So it's James O'Brien interviewing me for In Conversation. Very funny. Very, very funny. Uh, go to the LBC website. We'll have the free podcast up for you a little bit later on this morning. Probably by, I don't know, depends how fast Will can work on this one. Probably by seven it should be up, the free podcast. And, um, and we wish you a pleasant weekend. It's going to be lovely weather. I mean, it really is going to be nice weather. So, you know, you can get your shorts out of hibernation. Get, you know, your, your sort of loose baggy T-shirts out there. But if you're particularly pale... Can I offer some advice? Can you can you not go out this weekend? Okay, nobody wants to see stick insects looking like milk bottles. You know, it's really it's not a it's not a good look. Okay, and anybody with jeans that you've cut down yourself, stay indoors. Okay, don't don't go go out at night. It's much easier. Have yourself a lovely weekend. Keep the radio tuned to LBC ninety seven point three. Nick and the team with you after seven, but after the news on LBC ninety seven point three, the morning news with Susan Bookbinder. Listen to this. Now this. Notice the difference. A Peugeot trained technician can. At your local Peugeot dealer, we know your